0: what's up guys it's kid carson
1: this is alexandra kitty this is danielle smith hey
0: everybody this is paul brandt jeremy mckenzie RagingDissident.com. welcome to the sean newman podcast welcome to the podcast folks happy wednesday hope everybody's week is cruising along we got a busy one on on the go right now uh so first off uh smp presents quick dick mcdick 222 minutes tickets now on sale all you got to do is check out the show notes Uh, There's a link there. Go to any of my social media. You can find the link as well. That's November 5th. Um, For Thursday, Thursday evening, uh, I got the Sean Newman Show uh, on the Western Standard happening for the first time uh, tomorrow. So uh, Thursday, September 8th, we're going to have the Sean Newman Roundtable happening, Sean Newman Show. Uh, It's going to air on both the podcast and... And uh, on Western Standard. So we'll see how that goes. That's going to be an exciting, uh, I don't know, exciting development. Of course, then we'll have Friday's show as well. So we got a busy uh, tally going on this week. We're. We're ramping it up. So, uh, of course, today's show, Thursday Roundtable that will air se- uh, Thursday evening on both the podcast and on the Western Standard, and then, of course, Friday's show as well. So before we get to today's episode, let's let's get to today's episode sponsors. Blaine and Joey Steffen, Guardian Plumbing and Heating, 2021 Lloyd Minster Chamber of Commerce Business of the Year, a uh, team of over 30 who thrive on solving problems and offering the best possible solutions with over 24-hour emergency service available, um... You know, when when stuff's going on, nobody wants to wait till the morning. And these guys know that. All you got to do is is uh, hit them up. They got 24-hour emergency service. And for all the uh, the the farmers out there, they also developed and manufactured the world's most efficient grain dryer right here in Lloydminster. All you got to do to find out more is go to GuardianPlumbing.ca, where you can schedule your next appointment at any time the deer and steer butchery uh on highway 16 and range road nine uh range road 95 range road 25 that is is open for business um they uh, they pride themselves in uh, allowing you to get your hands on the meat so if you want to go in and have quite the experience learn some things about cutting and all that good stuff this is the place uh, the other thing is, is uh, here's a little helpful uh, information when it comes to meat products. Animal products like meat are the only natural source of vitamin B12, which promotes brain development in children, and helps your nervous system function properly. We're actively searching on a few different people to have on the podcast that can talk, uh, you know, about the about the benefits of meat. Let alone, um, you know, some different things that uh, are good for the body and that type of thing. Uh, as we continue to see from not only our government but the world. There's been an active push against animal products. So, uh, looking forward to digging into that a little bit. If you want to get your animal in today, though, the deer and steer, give them a call 780 870 8700. Eggland. Back in Eggland history, they started in 1957 as a John Deere equipment dealer with a staff of six. Today, 60 plus years of business, 30 locations, like Minster Vermillion and St. Paul, with a staff of over 130. They sell and service John Deere, Brent, Brent, Bobcat, Dangleman, and AA trailers. And if you want to suck yourself into a rabbit hole, go to agland.ca to check out their full-end inventory, which is... uh well, it'll take a little bit of time. Jen out the team over at Three Trees Tap and Kitchen, um, they got uh, they got their contest going on with uh, the opportunity to unlock a treasure chest with three-digit code. So the three-digit code goes something like this. You go in, you have your meal. Everyone over 18 gets an attempt to unlock this chest that's full of things with a three-digit code. You get one chance every time you go. In the chest, they got an oversized Acadia wood cutting board. Uh, they got a charter Charcoal grill, three trees blanket, growler, three trees gift card, tree, uh, a, a tree brewing glasses and cutting board, and they just continue uh, to uh, they continue to add things to it each week as nothing's been won. So stop into three trees and uh, hmm, see if you can't win yourself uh, quite the treasure treasure. Chest g-money cricks. It is only Wednesday, folks, and the old tongue is is working its way today. It's having a little hey. Eh, we're having a little fun on this side. Gardner Management, Lloyd, Mr. Base Company, specialized in all types of rental properties to help meet your needs. And uh, when it comes to Wade, I you know I got to be honest. I I keep uh, me and my uh, another tenant here. We're talking about some of the cool things Wade has to offer. I got to get permission to tell some of the stories, but he's been uh, great to deal with. Um, Some different companies telling me about some of the hard times that came, you know, over the last couple of years with COVID and and his ability to work through them uh, with them Uh, has been pretty, uh, pretty cool. And I I tell you what, I I plan on getting the okay to tell some of them because, um, you know, maybe all uh, landlords are are like that. I highly doubt it. And Wade uh, has found a way to uh, really imprint uh, his thought process on a lot of the people under his roof and I, I find that really cool so if you're looking for a place to hang your uh, ball cap and and you need a spot for your company give Wade Gartner a call 780-808-5025 now let's get on that tail of the tape brought to you by Hancock Petroleum for the past 80 years they've been an industry leader in bulk fuels, lubricants, and chemicals delivering to your farm, commercial or oil field locations for more information visit them at HancockPetroleum.ca ca. <music> He's a business owner, town councillor, and a spokesperson for the Coots Border Blockade. I'm talking about Marco van Eugenbos. So buckle up, here we go.
1: I'm Marco van Eugenbos, and you're listening to the Sean Newman Podcast.
0: Welcome to the Sean Newman Podcast. Today I'm joined by Marco van Eugenbos. So first off, sir, thanks for hopping on.
1: Thanks, Sean, for having me. It's uh, it's it's a pleasure.
0: I tell you what, I uh, I get all sorts of names on this bloody thing, and uh, yours is maybe one of the tougher I've had to stare at and make sure I don't uh, butcher it before we get started. I'm sure that's not anything new to you.
1: No, and I haven't even told you my middle name yet. So,
0: what do, do I dare <laughs> ask what your middle name is then?
1: So the full the full name. So it's it's. I was born in Holland, but full name is your middle name is your legal name and then they call you Marco or 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 George or Peter or Tom. But your middle name is you know from our background is based on uh an aunt or an uncle combined. Like that's how they determine stuff. I don't even remember which uncle or aunt I'm named after. It's it's bad. But um Marco Gurko Marina's van Jugendboss.
0: Wow that is a mouthful that's sir.
1: <laughs> that's it. So <laughs> let's stick to Marco.
0: Sure marco that 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 absolutely works now for you know a lot of listeners i I start this thing out the same way every single time you know it's your first time on the podcast. maybe people know exactly who you are, but I'm gonna assume a lot of people do not know who you are. you know we have people listening in from different parts of the country that type of thing, certainly they know a lot about coots uh certainly, there was a ton of people who listened to the podcast who were at Coots or or Melk river um so I guess I go. Let's just start with who Marco is. So wherever you want to go with that, uh, and we'll, we'll start there, and, we'll, and we'll, we'll see where we get to.
1: Yeah, so fair enough. Um, so I, um, I'm i a farm boy originally, and I'll, I'll back way up, keep it short. But um, immigrated in 1996 uh, with my family from Holland and um, grew up just north of Fort McLeod on the farm. Um, you know, lived a pretty normal life uh, grew up not lacking, you know, first job, school, high school, all of the, all the crazy farm stuff. And, um, ended up, uh, going into the trades early on, um, you know, got married, started a business, you know, my business is South Country Doors. Uh, it's about eight, eight years ago. And, um, I'd say in early, Sorry, uh, I have to back up here for a minute, in early uh, 2015, or not early, late 2015, I um, ran for my first term on town council as councillor, municipal, municipal council, and last October, I ran for my second term as councillor. So politics um, wasn't something that we grew up with. You know, wasn't you know we we'd sooner talk business or farming or equipment but over the years i'd say since the um trump you know early trump years not even his presidency but just just the the late obama years politics started to become a real a real topic in i think a lot of households in 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 southern alberta and in you know, provincial, maybe even federal in Canada, you know, politics down south, right? It affects us. We talk about it more. We used to talk about it more than our own politics. I do believe that's changed. I do believe we're talking about our own politics more than than the American politics. So at an early age, um, got involved in uh, in politics, so 25, 26, and, um, you know, had a lot to learn and did a lot of that, right? Did uh, I hope more more listening than than talking? And um, then we, uh, you know, we ran into the, um, the the COVID years, and and things from there changed in politics, right? The the just the partisanship, the nonpartisanship. That part of it was it became very difficult. You know, uh, work in the middle ground was not an was not a thing. You know, compromise was. Was was a word lost? You know, I know the definition of it, right? But uh, so for an individual, it gets to a point where, hey, this isn't um, this isn't what I signed up for. You know, the federal level issues that made their way down to the muni- municipal levels. You know, I, I came in to uh, to to you know put the town in a good financial position. You know, make sure we had working street lights and good streets and you know, a couple of good services, spray parks, things like that. And next thing you know, you're dealing with all the social issues currently at play in the country. And it, um, it, it really very, very quickly. It, it, um, it, it made me aware of where I stood, not just where I thought I stood and what I thought, how I was raised and my morals, but publicly, you know, cause have been some issues where I might've, Played it safe, but playing it safe is a lose lose for for any politician, for anybody in any kind of situation with not necessarily opposing sides, but sides, but opposing views. And very quickly, I had to know where I stood. So, um, very quickly, you know, built an identity in that personally and in my family, and um, you know. The, then COVID hit, and we people say, "Oh, COVID!" You know, some people want to put it in a box and put it on the top shelf and, and not talk about it. But we we got to talk about this, and um, we we got to we got to learn from the mistakes that have been made, and not not blame people for the mistakes that have been made. I've made them. Everybody's made mistakes in this regard. Nobody nobody had the the rule book, the COVID rule book. But um, we, we also do see now that, that there are instances where we should have or could have learned. And unfortunately, there's there's individuals or parties or governments doubling down. and that that's obviously led to some of the political and then, and, and, you know the political landscape today, even provincially and federally, right? So um, back to, you know myself, small town politician, a small business owner, uh, small family, four kids, small family compared to to what I grew up with. I have nine brothers and three sisters. <laughs> so, and I'll be honest, I'm an uncle 60 sometimes. Um, it's great.
0: Have, you have, you're an uncle 60 times over?
1: Yeah, 66 or 67 times.
0: Oh, how do you? Yeah. Okay, yeah. politics I... aside for a second. How do you keep every, do you know, like A, how do you keep every name? Like I have, uh, I think we're going on. With my three, I think we're going on for my parents fourteen. I want to say roughly. That's and still pretty good. It's yeah. still pretty good, but I go fourteen is not that bad. I got that cased. Do you remember all sixty names? Um,
1: once they get above a certain age, and and you know you can you start communicating with them as an uncle, then the name you, you use that identity sticks. But if there's in a year, if there's three babies, yeah, there's no chance. There's no chance. I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm not
0: keeping then track the, of it, right? Then so, the second question I got is what on earth do you do? Like, did your family just go, you know what, guys? We're just not doing gifts. There's no way I'm spending a million a, a dollars a year on birthday gifts. Like, imagine the birthday parties. Wowzer. You wouldn't even be able to invite any friends.
1: Yeah, so there, there is a system, right? So I think uh, with, with the with the cousins, so the nieces and nephews, um, it's, 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 The wives it's it's the aunties that that come together till certain age and then with the brothers like mom and dad and brothers and sisters there's there's combination there's there's sometimes like i think march and april are big ones there's like four or five birthdays in in, in a couple weeks and so you combine them um christmas is the in-laws new year's day is our family right that that's pretty mutual right every every family you can't make it to every every party because you you do have two sides of the family. Yeah. But did uh, you
0: ever you ever ask your parents why they had that many? Like is, I, I assume it, it's part of their culture. I, I get that, but like it. Um, well, yeah, it, twelve is a lot. Twelve is a lot, and twelve is uh, thirteen. Sorry,
1: you know nine. Brothers oh,
0: sorry, yeah, nine three. Sorry, yeah. thirteen. So thirteen.
1: It, it is a lot. In today's world, it's near. It would it wouldn't be possible. So I, 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 I would draw the equivalent of eight being 13 in today's world with just, you know. Some people draw us. the equivalent
0: of two being 13. You know what I mean? Like, uh, honestly.
1: Yeah. No, I understand. I think four are 13 some days, but um, <laughs> uh, never specifically. But, you know, we immigrated with nine and the culture, not necessarily. The, yeah, I'd say the culture, bigger families were, were a thing. I got an uncle. In, in the area who's got 14. And so my mom's sister actually, but in Holland, you know, seven or eight is, is pretty much the normal. So, you know, they got to a point and then um we immigrated and, and the older ones are working and helping. And you know, people when you think about it, it's it's more than than what it would have been. And and I'm not downplaying it, trust me. I don't I'm not downplaying what it took for my parents. But we grew up on a farm and If you're making one, making for five, it wasn't that much more, right? It was the fact that it's kind of like employees. If you got one, the second employee is, is, is the big one, but then three or four, it's just two more, right? You've already set the ground. You've, you've set, you you've built a base for that. And I don't think it's quite, it's not hundred percent comparable, but, um,
0: the mentality is similar.
1: The mentality is similar. And, you know, there's, there's a set of twins in there and then, you know, um the older ones like i have a, i have a nephew who's older than my youngest sister so it just big family you know there's time my mom said time you know you marco he could have been an only child okay you know i maybe just i was i did things myself or because i i might have said why does everybody have to go right instead of now it's like you know in my single years it's like oh where do where do I go for supper tonight? This is great, you know. I got so many choices because I'd have married <laughs> brothers and sisters, right? So
0: where do you fit in the Where do you fit in the mix of thirteen? Are are you oldest, youngest?
1: I'm six, number six. So there's seven below me. Yeah. So there's still uh, there's still two that aren't married. They're um eighteen and twenty one. They're at home. You know, they still live at home as you know. They're coming to your
0: rate. place looking for a meal now.
1: Yeah, it's, but it, now it's great. You know, we've, um, with a family this size, you don't need a lot of friends, um, which is good because, you know, I might not have a lot of friends, even if I was a, an only child, you know, based on, based on my political views or, you know, anyways, um, it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's good. There's, you know, you know, when, when the going gets tough, you got an army behind you too. So there's, there's that as well. Right. So it's, uh,
0: you well, know, I think it's um, an interesting, an interesting perspective because, you know, um, uh, you know, we grew up with, I grew up with four older siblings, so five of us and I had friends with six and I, I certainly know different families that are, you know, farming background. I mean, uh, in the, the old days you had to have a large uh, family, right. And as technological <laughs> advances and things move along, cost of living, you know, I don't need to go down too many rabbit holes. Um, the, uh. It's just the family size shrinks and continues to shrink. Right. And so, uh, uh, being a parent now on the other side, having three under six, uh, old timers tell me, enjoy those years. Those are the fun years. Right. And I can just imagine talking to your parents, you know, having 13, um, especially now that the last two are 18 and 21. I wonder how quiet and unnerving that is in their house. Like I'm sure they enjoy it sometimes, but after having that much chaos for so many years, you just come to live in it. Right. And then yeah, yeah. it gets quiet. And I'm like, I, I assume they must be taken up like skydiving or something to figure out how to, to, you know, reinvigorate the life, so to speak.
1: Well, I, that there's something to be said about that. Uh, fortunately, you know, humans adapt well, uh, in general. And, uh, it didn't happen overnight, obviously that, that, you know, one by one, um, some years, maybe there's two, but I, I think overall it was once every two or three years, there'd be another one or, uh, moved out, married, but there's, there's a different level of busiest now, right? There's, there's grandkids. Oh yeah. I shouldn't, you just said you are. had
0: 60, 60, uh, nieces and nephews. Yeah. Imagine that house. We yeah. went from 13. That, oh, that was busy. Yeah. Well, now you got 60. Yeah. Still, Come on.
1: <laughs> there's good structure there. There has to be, we grew up with good structure, right? It wasn't, you know, I, you know, even growing up, you know, time for haircut. My mom was lining us up, not not literally, but it was like, "Hey, your turn." You know, that was the way it went, and it um, that was, you know, hand me downs was a real thing. But uh, you know, not not not, yeah, hand me downs was a real thing. Naturally, right? Especially uh, on the farm, right? You know, you're 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 out doing this, doing that, quadding, wrecking jeans, breaking bones, all of that. So there was a lot of a lot of structure and a lot of overlap. Um, But um, now there's even more structure, right? You know, there's don't all show up on Saturday night, right? Call ahead this, that um, birthday party. So I, I, I like to think my parents are, are busy, but they have the ability to retreat and, and they're not old. They're, they're both 61. So we got a large family for, my parents being, you know, just, I think they're, they're turning 61. No, I think they turned 61. So- well, I'll be the
0: first, I'll be the first to say, Marco, I I thought at uh, 18 and I've had listeners, I had listeners call me out on this. I must've said uh, a few uh, weeks ago, 58 was old. Cause I had a, a couple 58 year olds uh, tune me in on that. And I laughed and I said, fair enough, boys, fair enough. Because I thought at 18, uh, I'm 36. I thought 36, oh man, you were over the hill. And now I sit at 36, yeah. I'm like. I feel, you know, I feel good. And when a 58 year old says, well, just imagine what you'll feel at a 58. Cause I'm saying the same thing you are saying at 36. I'm like, okay, yeah. we got lots of great years ahead of me. So I gotta be careful in my wording here because 61, uh, definitely isn't old. Um, and, uh, certainly if you, uh, attack life the, the right way, you can have a lot of good years. Um, well, I mean, I just played hockey with, but think of this, a 72 year old, came out and played noon hour with us. And I swear he was moving faster than I was. I was like, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's yeah. pretty freaking cool.
1: Yeah. I know. And and that's not everybody, but like, yeah, 60 is not, it, it's, it's, you know, it's not old. Like people are still working. People are very active. And then obviously many things are factors of, of lifestyle choices, but um, I look at my parents and yeah, the gray, well, I look at my grades and you know, Due to due to circumstances and a little bit of genetics, but you know, um, my dad. My the funny thing is, my dad he, he always looked older, not from behind, from the sides, and you know maybe from the front. And at some weddings, my mom, uh, my sister's wedding. So this is years ago. The photographer said, "Hey, can you you know to my sister, hey can can I get a picture of you with your sister?" She's talking to my mom. So you're talking to a woman who has had 13 kids, 13 children. And the, 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 photographer thought that my dad was dead to both. And so, you know, it, it it's just structure and, and, and not, not ritual, but uh, discipline matters in life. And, and, and obviously I'm not saying that, uh, cancer and such, um, are, uh, are hundred percent related to, to lifestyle choices. Sometimes it's in your, in your genes, et cetera, but, um, healthy live, he- healthy living is a real thing. And that, uh, I see that evident in, uh, in, in our family, right. We grew up, um, you know, eating healthy, you know, the, the food, the food choice, it wasn't like pizza every night. It was like the weekends, it was either this or that, but, you know, staple diet, you know, potatoes, veggies, and, 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 and a steak or meatballs, you know, at least three times a week. Right. So just things like that. And um, yeah, it's, it's uh, anyways, it was a good, um, a good upbringing, good youth. And um, you know, we're, we're, we're not a close, close family as in um, we're all over each other. You know, my mom and dad always said, Hey, if you have a brother that you're not as good with as the other one, when it's the turn to visit him, just skip them, you know, cause you got so many of them. Right. But we're, you know, it's, it's, it's good you you have choice there right well and, i don't think
0: uh, i don't think uh you know when it comes to 13 people whether they're family members or not uh chances are you're not going to agree with all of them right Every, everybody <laughs> you know in society has their views and beliefs. and that does that's yeah. certainly applies to the family as well large yeah. families politically in
1: thankfully we do to to in in the general direction you know we may disagree well, on
0: bringing certain, up certain bringing things, up but... bringing up politics you know um Uh, I uh, Right around the time you're getting into city council is pretty much when I start to pay attention to politics as well. And I would agree 100% with what you said in that Canadians focused on American politics. And we thought it was our politics, you know, if Trump wins or if Biden wins or Obama wins, that's a win for Canada. Except it kind of is because they're a, a superpower in the world. But at the same time, we still have our country to govern. And uh, one of the things that I've noticed in the last, so probably COVID, you know, all the bad that COVID brought, one of the best things it did is Canadians are looking at Canadian things now because they realize how much it impacts their lives. That's probably the best exactly. thing that happened out of this. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and that's, that's what, that's exactly what happened, right? You know, um, Kenny would have been an awesome premier because- he would have, you know, done well economically. Uh, it, it wasn't until the government stepped in and implemented such an overreach into personal liberty and personal freedom that people were like shook awake and, hey, you know, um, this is our prime minister, but municipal councils and provincial governments, they they control our lives. They influence us. And um, that that has led to, to, to this involvement. And um, it's not all positive right off the get go, because people don't know where to focus or how it works. So you have a lot of organizations and a lot of movements and a lot of opinions. I don't think the opinion side of things will ever get smoothed out. But um, I think uh, this goes back to something we'll discuss later, but it goes back to people are finding their own way in, in politics, in, 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 involvement, like how, or what, like I get so many people that, 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 that want to do something. But they don't know what to do. They did. They they're just like, do, do I do this? Do I do that? You know, um, it, taking back our freedoms, taking back Alberta, you know, this, like I've, I know the groups and people don't know what to do. Do I, do I get involved in, in the CA board? What's the CA board? So you explain that and then the provincial board, like people don't know. So there is a huge responsibility right now by, the the political peers and and those involved in politics to to educate uh a population um that uh that 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 just has been complacent like that would almost be our national sin we're so passive in regards to to what really affects us and i think that is changing and it'll probably die down eventually um but right now people are very aware um very awake if that's that's a term some are too awake in my mind but um very very involved uh i like in, to use engaged right people engaged. are engaged, engaged right now yeah Very and, engaged. and
0: and not for not everybody that does that mean run for premier of alberta i'll take the large thing for some of it it can just be an arena board a school board uh city councilor yeah. uh yeah. like there's so many different things that have you know, I, I think you can agree with this that have a lot more power than we both thought. Like, I, I just was like, I, what? And then you go, oh, and you're like, well, I better get involved in that. Well, now you got to wait two years to get involved. Right. And I think a lot of people mm-hmm. are paying attention to what affects their life. And certainly what affects my life is different than what affects somebody else's. And you, and you get the point. No different than you sitting in Fort McLeod to Lloyd Minster. There's a lot of difference between us. Yeah, But there's yeah. ways that anyone in those communities can get involved in a large scale or a small scale. But, as, you know, Get engaged, get involved, start uh, moving the dial forward so that, you know, when the next time, and hopefully there is no next time, but the next time something like this happens, there's more voices at the table that can be like, no, we're not going to do that. That makes zero sense.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And that's the part where the engagement portion is we've always, you know, we've always looked at a top-down approach, you know, premier, prime minister, they decide. You know they're the boss. You know that 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 that's that's almost. If you don't know how it works, that's ingrained in in us, and that's human nature, right? We want to talk to the boss. We want to go to the top. We want to, you know, that's that's how we look at things. But in reality, it's the other way around. It has to be a bottom-up approach, not a top-down, right? You know, the like I'll, I'll I'll look I'll use this example the grassroots guarantee, and you you can't find it on their website anymore, it disappeared about a year and a half ago off the UCP website. But the grassroots guarantee, that was what they ran on in 2019. That was that, that that's how they communicated their, 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 their government structure, their, their representation, you know, it worked. Unfortunately, it's not what everybody wanted. You know, I'm, I'm aware, I've talked to many MLAs, and the minute that the election was behind them, there were those in, in in positions of power who said, "Now we're holding the pen. Grassroots guarantee it. it, it you know, we don't we don't really like." It was a means anymore, to right? an end. As a means to an end, but we need to take that back. We need to stop looking at our leaders and thinking that there is a leader who will fix our problems. There's nobody. You know, these are examples. There's nobody in this province, in this country, who can f- fight and fighter who can who can reform ahs without the support of the grassroots there's nobody not daniel smith not brian jean nobody on their own without the grassroots involved without the membership without proper representation like our westminster parliamentary democracy people need to understand how that works but without that working there's nobody that can actually change anything and that's our fault we keep on looking at leaders and thinking they're going to solve all our problems but in reality it's it's, it's us, it's our involvement that will ultimately actually change and, and, and keep, th- you know, keep things, um, keep governments accountable to, well, to the here, here's, to the here's
0: the thing that gives me a, a little bit of hope and also kind of like unnerved me a bit. There was, um, a CBC article talking about, um, the UCP and for any listener that wants this, I'll, I'll maybe just post it in the, the show notes. That way you can just see exactly what I'm seeing, but it's a, it's a map of Alberta. And you can click okay, on any yeah. of the constituencies and see how much UCP membership has grown, um, increased since May. So that's only a few months ago. And so I, I always look at, I'll look at Lloyd because I, I find this fascinating. Lloyd, Vermillion, Wainwright. I, I don't right. know what the yeah. rough population or roughly the population, probably, I don't know, thirty to 40,000 people since May. you know, Before May, there would have been 513 or 511 memberships. Is increased 700 people. Now, on the one side, you go a population of 30, 40,000 people, only 500 people cared enough to buy a membership to vote who is going to run for premier. That's kind of scary. But on the upside, 700 more people have decided it's time to get involved. And that is across the board in every constituency. Lloyd is not the the highest or lowest in increase, but you kind of get the idea. More people... Are getting engaged, or getting like, I understand what's going on. Let's talk about this. So when I look at uh, the UCP and I look at how they ran in 2019 and, and what you're talking about, I've said this to um, some of the frontrunners in the UCP debate. Like, listen, now that you've been on the podcast, you don't do what you're doing, right? You get in and you start talking a different way. I went from being a guy who has you on, and this is a friendly chat, to what the hell is going on? Because you aren't doing what you said you were going to do. And it, you know, once you're elected, it becomes about action, actually walking the talk. And I think that's what so many people are like, we're waiting to see what happens. October 6th is coming. I mean, geez, we're, we're uh, a little over a month out by the time this is released, it will be a month out and you go, we're going to find out real quick if they can do what they say they're doing. And if they're not, I mean, just look at the engagement increase across the board it, it it's every constituency in Alberta is increasing memberships. People are paying attention.
1: People are paying attention. And, and, um, but like I said, that, that, that's a good thing. But as a, as a percentage, it's still like, Oh guys, really, that's it. You know, like, cause you've heard so many people have an opinion about, about yes. things government related, but here's an opportunity, like regardless of, your, your political political uh, position your your, your your standing. you're voting for a premier right now ten dollars and you can vote for a premier. And that part of it, you know I'm, I know a lot of people in, in tip and in, in the independence movement I you know I don't can't say I know too many people on the other side of the board you know the NDP but um, you're voting for a premier for ten dollars. you will actually vote in the new premier. That to me is is something that is so clear. It's not oh, it's ten dollars toward the UCP. Yeah, I get that. I get that. But for some people, there there's the polarization of the politics, to, uh, the political class as well. Yes. Right. and and that part is is frustrating that people have positioned themselves in such a way that they they can't do what's best for themselves or for others because of. A conclusion or a position or something they've said, right? They just there's no compromise anymore, right? People are no, this is the way it's gotta be. And there's no like this person is is out on this view or out on that view. Nobody's perfect. But there are people who are perfect for today or for tomorrow, you know, in, in my view, right? And that's I, I
0: look at I guess I look at it as um if we were in a company, you know, me and you and the first year we did X. And then the second year we did X plus whatever percentage right we go do we want more yeah but it's increasing if in two years it's dropped off i will be depressed because i'll be like what is going on to me i hope more and more people uh continue um to you know start to pay attention right i I agree with everything you said but i'm like uh you know how many people you know we, we look at the premier how many people voted for their MLA? Or voted for you to become city councilor, or voted for Bill to sit on. You know, I I pick on uh, my hometown a lot, Uh, not really, but I mean, like Hillmond is this tiny little hamlet in Saskatchewan. So I grew up in Saskatchewan, now I live in Alberta, and the heart of the community we don't we don't have a mayor, we don't have a you know our council, if you will, you know we have an R M, but the 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 heart of the community is the arena, which is a bunch of volunteers. (laughs) That I don't know. There's like pretty much if you show up, you can be on it. Think about that. Like nobody. And that is the heart of the community. That's what makes the the community run. So on the smallest scale, if you just show up, you can be a part of something to the largest scale, the premier, you know, you're right. The involvement from the community is small, but take in any of the lower levels. And it literally is a microcosm of that. You want to be a city councilor? I'm sure it wasn't 50,000 people who had to vote for Marco to become that. Or your MLA, I assume it ain't, you know, like (laughs) there's only so many people that can vote in that or want to vote in that. And so I think the positive side that I look at from an Albertan or if you're in Saskatchewan or if you're in Canada for that matter is our population isn't that involved just yet. So if you are involved and want to be, you can actually impact things like immediately. Whereas if you're in the United States And have three hundred and thirty million people, and they are politics. I mean, they live and breathe it. It's way tougher. I'm not saying it isn't. It's it might be as easy as is exactly what we're talking about, but in Canada, it is that easy. It literally is that easy. Yeah, Yeah. and and
1: and there and then there's events that are easier than others, right? You know, a million ninety thousand people voted in the last general election. Um, we have one hundred twenty three thousand plus a couple. UCP members, you know, we'll be surprised if we have 60, 65% voter turnout. We're probably going to have 55% voter turnouts. 55% of 123,000 are now going to determine who the next premier is. And three and a half years ago, it was over a million people that determined. Yeah, they're voting for their MLA, but they were voting for the premier ultimately as well. Because the, the the nature of things is we look to who's the guy on the top. That's who we're voting for, right? Even in the states, you're voting for your sheriff, you're voting for your judge, then you're voting for your your senator, you're voting for your your um um uh, sorry, forget the name, the the house, your representative. You know, so it, it's it's there are critical moments. Where people can get involved and have so much influence, but they're just not aware. And that's the education part. That's the part where I've learned a lot over the last seven months, provincial politics. Like I've read policy and governance, like of the UCP party multiple times, back to back, due to due to frustrations I had locally. And how can I I address them? Well, there are triggers, there, there are pressure points in, in politics that people can use, you know. The SGM was one of them, 16,000 people. And we, we won't talk about the rural balance that showed up after the deadline, but 16,000 people got rid of a premier. And I'm not gonna focus on Kenny as an individual. I don't, I don't hate in politics, but we got rid of a premier. We got rid of a previous federal cabinet minister in Stephen Harper government. Like we downplayed it, but I know on the other side, people were shocked because I also know mlas who the day of you know because there was there was not there was there was gatherings right to listen to the to the results and you know we all had to wait another 45 minutes for those results so we knew something was going on right <laughs> and i would have loved to be fly on that wall in that room but um there was mlas it was like oh he's got 70 75 percent i i know an mla down south here who was you know literally wanted to bet another MLA a a significant amount of money that he had this and he, but he didn't, you know, he got, he got over 50%.
0: 51. 51. Yes.
1: You know, um, save face, but you know that's not enough. That's not enough to govern your own party, right? That's that's from your own support. You know that support needs to be seventy five percent, which it has been previously, right? Premiers who have You know got it,
0: You know, you know what's scary about that, Margo? Is, is the two MLAs are that? Well, one of them, I mean, is is that delusional? I I I mean, and I I'm, I I see, here disconnected, disconnected. Thank you. That they don't realize their population is like, oh, I'm done with this. I live in a in the, rural- in, in,
1: the lar- in the largest uh UCP constituency. You can guess who that is. Based on this you can figure out who this is. But this individual, you know, great individual on on many things, but on this, you know, he was a, he was a canny guy.
0: Yeah.
1: And he was not listening to his own membership. He was not he he took those frustrations and thought I well we you know he, he's got this, you know. And and that's also what was being put out there right the media this that the party they, they change the rules how many times right they really if you think about it if you think about what it was supposed to be red deer right may the 19th i think i got that right may the 19th no sorry april the 19th in red deer that that was the the uh the, the in person in person yeah end. you know it would have been a it would have been a massacre for for the political class right based on who was going to show up not people who are happy; they might if they're really happy and they really support Kenny, but it's people that were frustrated that were going to Red Deer. They were paying the hundred bucks, right? And sure, Take Back Alberta was came out of this. Like people say, "Oh, Take Back Alberta it was to blame for this." Then I say, "But what? What was take? Who was take a, Take Back Alberta? They're frustrated Albertans who have the ability to organize. Who did that? You know. So at the end you know the one day-
0: one of the, one of the things Daniel Smith has done well. She went around and talked to all those constituents from all the different constituencies and they all came out in droves. You know, um when you look at the numbers of how many people actually own UCP memberships even from my own riding, the amount of people that come out to listen to uh, politics right now with the UCPs in particular because they're, you know, they're going to decide is pretty wild. People are no. upset. They just are. No. <laughs> like, and I don't blame them. I, you know it's just like yeah the the last little bit has been over and above what anybody ever wants and especially out in the west because they want government just to stay in their lane leave me alone let me run business you're gonna tax me fine i'll pay the taxes let's move along with life instead the opposite is is come to roost here in in the west and that isn't a you know i mean geez that isn't we're we're uh you know i i grew up in a family farm um that's what we're built on, right? We're, we're going to take care of our stuff. We're going to pay our taxes. We're going to move on with life. You're going to start a business. You're going to do these. You're going to, you know, everybody's entrepreneurs and innovation and everything else. And uh, yeah, somewhere along the line that got really thrown to the the, the curb. Yeah.
1: Correct. Yeah. And, and the unfortunate part is this frustration it's there. It's becoming more evident. you know, the, the actual, you know, the, 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 there's events happening in the political, realm you know actual dates with actual turnout and actual results skewered a little bit but um you know we got one coming next week saturday right the federal side what will the numbers actually say you know the media is going to say it's a close race between so and so but it's going to be a blowout i think we know that and you know that's my personal view i could be wrong but there's a huge frustration provincially federally but the governing class is downplaying this frustration and stigmatizing it. They're, they're, they're labeling it, you know, they're calling it names. They're, they're putting it in a corner. They're calling it a 10%. And that's unfortunate because it's not, you know, there's maybe a 10% who actually take certain actions on their frustrations, but there's 50% of the population or more that is, that is frustrated. And that will show up once or twice a year at events political events or political dates that matter others will will do more others will 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 take further action based on, on on character and based on you know how they've been affected by by government in the last few years but the biggest biggest issue in 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 politics right now is there is a frustration by the membership by by the by the population that most of the governing class our class most of the most of the governments most of the governing body is not taking seriously and that's very unfortunate because until that is done we're, we're not going to see true representation so i think we're we're it's it started but provincially there's there's hope on the horizon federally it's how well, do we connect with federal right yeah it's just so tough well,
0: the interesting thing about uh where we sit me and you specifically is in a month's time you're going to have a new leader and then they're going to have the short runway. I talk, uh, you know, hockey guy. I talk about Jay Woodcroft a lot with the Edmonton Oilers, right? He gets, he gets the job uh, right before they're, you know, uh, towards the end of the last season, he has the opportunity to, you know, get them in the playoffs and then, you know, see how he does to earn a job. Right. And I, re- so what ends up happening, the Oilers go on like a hot run, become one of the best teams in the NHL for that stint of his coaching. Um, um, and then they get in the playoffs they not only win around they beat the provincial rival then they lose in the you know the semifinals, the conference finals to the eventual cup winner in the colorado avalanche i look at that and i go whoever is the name that comes out october 6th has the same runway the short little runway but it's going to be through uh, flu season <laughs> i mean you know, we don't have to be a rocket scientist to know that uh people are going to get sick this fall i mean that is not rocket science but they've all you know like some of them have been pretty vocal on uh no more lockdowns uh i will not implement vaccine mandates blah 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 you know ever if you've been paying attention you've been paying attention and they're gonna have this short runway where they're gonna have to do a multitude of things because not only do they gotta follow through on what they say otherwise conservatives uh, are gonna lose their absolute and uncontrollable shit but then on top of that, they have to find a way you mentioned, and I think right off the hop was unify a group of people that are kind of, you know, they've been getting battered for, for two plus years. And then on top of it, then they have playoffs and playoffs comes in May when, uh, you know, the use or the, sorry, the provincial election is where the NDP are foaming at the mouth, just ready to go. They would have loved nothing more in my opinion than to have Jason Kenny sitting there because nobody trusted in him anymore. Whether right or wrong, nobody trusts them anymore. That comes from provincial. That's not even UCP members. That's just in general. And so now you have this ability where you could see the new uh, leader come in in October, do a great job, defeat Notley hands down. I I, you know like just walk in and blow her out of the water, in my opinion, and just carry on. I mean, you need voter turnout. You need all these things. I agree with all that. But the runway is there. And they've been campa- campaigning now for how many months, right? Like since May. So they have this long runway where they've been the focus of news every single day. And then you're going to get this short window of opportunity where they get to be the focus of news every single day again, and then playoffs. That's my thoughts.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and that runway, it's very unfortunate. It's as short as it is. Um, you know, if, if we don't take off in, in terms of your explanation here, um, I'm not gonna point at voter turnout. I'm not gonna blame this. I, there is a, a group of individuals who have played games, who've changed rules, who've delayed, who've done many things in regards to this SGM and this leadership race that have resulted in us having a premier on October the 9th. And last year when the 22 CAs, um, you know, voted on the motion to, to call for, for an SGM the provincial board had the obligation, they were obligated to act on this right away. And you would, you would think you'd do that for, for, for the conservative cause in the province, regardless of who the leader is, that, that, that should be the focus of the board. Unfortunately, they focused on who the leader was and, and maintaining this, this leader's position. And through through motions that hit the floor at the previous AGM, in October, where they tried to, to raise the threshold on what would trigger an SGM to changing the rules of the race halfway through the race. They have but delayed. it hasn't worked.
0: It hasn't I, worked. But unfortunately,
1: I, we've had less time now. We have a shorter runway for our next premier because we've got a form and, cabinet. We got to have a throne speech, right? And that's unfortunate.
0: Uh, and, that and I look at and from. I look at the opposite way. I guess I'm just green to this entire thing. And a, a nice green view from it. I go, Marco, great. I love it. Uh, I I go. Whoever gets in has this little window and a little window, in my opinion, might be better than a long window uh, because they get to, def- I just look at it. I see all the positive come. I, I hear exactly what you're saying. I, I think um, over the last two years, have we seen even in Alberta actually shorter than that. You talk about the um, uh, uh, April and red deer and how that all goes switched to mail-in ballots and and all these things and all these changes in real time. You're like, this is wild. It didn't work. <laughs> I mean, it yeah. didn't work. And so they're, they're scrambling whoever they are. And you, by the sounds of it, you understand a little better than I do who they are, but I think everything they've tried isn't working, right? No. It, it, it just doesn't work. And I, I go, that's because the population is, is becoming galvanized to where I hope, and I hope I can push upon the audience. If you're a UCP member in Alberta, do not not vote in this upcoming election. Go Vote. Um, and I'm going to do my best to make sure that instead of 55% turnout, it's 85% turnout, because I think all the people who are in politics go, yeah, like, I mean, 50% turnout, that, you know, that, that's probably realistic. And I go, have you looked at the numbers of the increased amount of population that's in part of this? You don't think they bought a UCP membership to show the fuck up and vote? I do. I certainly think that's exactly what they intend. I certainly think they're not going to just go, ah, whatever. And I think I hope positively that that underestimation is a good thing because people are going to show up and vote. And then I think the short one runway good because politics in general sucks and politicians find ways to fuck it up over and over again. And that is some by design and some by just like, I don't want to say anything. Well, you get the short runway to be a person and actually get in there and lead. And if you do that, you're going to win the next election Hands fucking down. Pardon for all the the F-bombs here, folks, today. But I'm like, I'm just tired of the old games. The old games are 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 whatever. We're going to see, hopefully, in Alberta. And I could be naive and green, and that could happen, and that could come to roost in May. But I look at this and I go, I see something different. All I see is positive. And I think um, what we're going to have come out of the UCP party is the next leader and the next premier for years to come. And that's what I hope. That's That's where I'm at. I'm very positive on on the the UCP uh, Alberta front because I just look at it and mainstream media is going to say what they've been saying for how many years now, right? The the yeah. old political games they're trying it ain't working. I mean, it just ain't working. And so I look at this with everything positive. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And and, and that's that's I, I I appreciate that view. I really appreciate the, the the passion here, right? So the way I look at it is as well is is this involvement. The, the higher turnout, even even if the membership was 200,000 and, and, and 50,000 or 50% show up, that's 100,000. But that's that much more than the last time. The, the, the population has lost trust in our governing body. They've lost, they, 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 they don't want to show up because they believe they've come to the, the position that it doesn't matter anymore. Because For two years, no matter what we did, we weren't listening to we weren't listened to. That's true. So that is true. We, we feel we feel we have no way to influence anymore. And that that trust that that mentality of I still can get involved and it actually matters, has to come back. And it is coming back. And because I still talk to people, ah, waste your time. And I know where they're coming from. It's it's coming from a place where government does from what a, government does.
0: Yeah. Well and and on top of that journalists aren't holding them accountable anymore you know no, no and so you go but that's changing too all of this is changing it's all changing you know, we know I, the I, media I,
1: will change in all of 10 seconds right they're gonna flip when they know it's no longer profitable and not just profitable to be to hold the 100 but but
0: yeah. the trust in media is dying faster Absolutely. than politicians Absolutely. actually I'm, i don't know they might be on the same trajectory at this point well, but they you
1: know, are intertwined.
0: So a hundred years ago, I I I keep bringing this up. So for the listener, I really apologize, but it, well, I don't know if I apologize. I it's on top of mind, I guess. A hundred, uh, almost a hundred years ago, it was nineteen thirty-three ish. I can't remember the exact year, but anyways, the premier of Alberta was William Aberhart. I'm gonna I'm just gonna fact check myself on that. I hate the stupid fact check, but I want to make sure I get the right name. William Aberhart, premier, pretty sure. I'll check his years, too, just so I'm... Okay, William Aberhart, uh, uh, 7th Premier of Alberta, 1935 to 1943. Anyways, the reason I bring this up is back then, they uh, basically were telling journalists to stay in line, and they jailed some of them, right? That was in Alberta. That was 100 years ago. And I just go, so where you're at right now is they've come in line with one another back when um, there was... You know, Pulitzer's won for speaking out against your government. Now we have this like unison where you know you're right. People have lost faith because politicians get to do whatever the fuck they want. They're never held accountable, and on top of it, the media just kind of chides along and doesn't say a whole lot. But now I see politics changing right in front of my eyes. Not everywhere, but it doesn't have to be everywhere, in my opinion. Um. And I'm seeing meaningful change in media. Jeez, we get to have a conversation. I'm not saying that uh, I'm uh, the CBC. Certainly not. Uh, not saying I want to be the CBC, to be completely honest. But you get the point. But there's more and more avenues like this where these conversations are happening and are starting to become public knowledge, which is now forcing different changes. And I look at uh, politicians, and I've said this to Danielle Smith, and I pick on her a lot because she was on the show a lot. I said, if you ever become the premier and you don't do what you're saying you're going to do, I'm going to be on you like white on rice. The gloves are going to be off because I've listened to a lot of what you said and agree with a lot of what you said. But it it would be the same as Travis Taves, who's been on here, or Todd Lowen, or Brian Jean. They've all come on and said all these great things. If they don't do what they're saying they're doing, I think the population and journalism in general has the right to hold them accountable to what they said and what they're not doing.
1: Yeah, correct. And then that, that part, the accountability part, has been lost and needs to come back you know you can be friends but don't forget that if if your friend how how good of a so on, on a personal level how good of a friend are you if you don't call out your friend on something that that you know let's say they do something wrong or this or that and, and their life is going you know their their things are going bad for them how good of a friend are you if you don't address it and I'm, I don't mean you know beating the crap out of them no, that's the last resort. Right. That's that's real frustration. I've never done that. But I mean, politically, if you see a politician's career, a premier's career going down the drain because they're lying, they're not doing what they said they were going to do. They're making the wrong choices. They're alienating their base. They're calling their base names. You know, that's what actually happened. Um, that's some that's a concern. How can you as as and now I go as comparable, how can you as cabinet and as caucus not call this out and see it, you know, address it. You could be friends with the premier, which a lot of people were. And I guess that's the, 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 the connection. Somewhere along the line, there's that, that, that connection of power where if you do that, you're, you're reprimanded, you're punished for it. That's happened as well. Those in power who did the right thing were punished. Todd Lowen, Grant Hunter, they all lost position and influence but i give it to them i give them credit i don't you know i don't agree with everything with on on either of these individuals and it's just two there's more but they were prepared to do the right thing they were there to represent
0: Their their constituents
1: their constituents which is which is the, the the bottom up, not the top down, right? Premier said, "Oh, we all gonna listen." That's 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 what was happening. No, that the bottom up, the membership is concerned, the population is concerned. People are 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 looking to their MLAs, looking to their CA boards, who then communicate with the provincial board, who then communicate with with the premier, and through the MLAs, through caucus, through cabinet to the premier. That never happened, right? You know, you remember the Klein years. If the caucus didn't approve. It didn't make its way to cabinet. That was how it worked. That was the proper approach from the people through their representatives to the governing body. So the accountability part, that is critical. And I'm glad you've had those discussions with Daniel Smith. You know, I I don't want to talk about her too much, but I know her very well. And, um, you know, I uh, politically friend, but I will speak up. When, when I'm concerned, you know, there's been, there's been things in the last couple of weeks that have concerned me and I've made my position clear. Um, what's, some what's, people,
0: been, what's been concerning you in the last couple of weeks?
1: Well, now we're really going into detail, but um, sure. so, so th- with, without knowing the details um, I've expressed concern on some of the endorsements, you know, these people held the position, they held influence without knowing the full story, you know, how can we, how can these people get involved in, in this campaign to a certain, to this extent, you know, endorsements, things like that. There's, at the end of the day, it also goes back to, if you get involved in the campaign, you want your candidate to win. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to speak to my involvement in the campaign, but I believe Daniel Smith, I know, like Daniel Smith isn't perfect. And she, she'd be the first to say that I'm not perfect. You none know,
0: no, 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 no. Nobody's, perfect. nobody's that's, perfect. That's that's the perfection of human beings, I think. Yeah, right. Yeah.
1: But there is she I believe she is perfect, you know, for what we need right now on on the issues that that are first and foremost, you know, the issues of four years ago, they're still there, but they're not one, two and three anymore. They might be six, seven and eight. They're still there. They're still critical. But there's been there's there's issues like the autonomy from Ottawa uh, over government overreach covid issues that have kind of come in first place second place and third place and those are issues that daniel smith is equipped to 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 lead on to to fight um so like i said there there's you know even individuals in, inside the the daniel smith campaign uh, and 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 i'll, I'll touch base on that a little bit later like i had concerns myself but i'm well, i'm a pretty
0: don't don't touch base on it later touch base okay. on it right we'll touch now. Base what, on it now yeah because we're, we're right here anyways
1: yeah so i'm gonna like quickly so um there's been some controversy uh controversy around an, an individual and there's been some pictures that have surfaced on this individual and um i'm concerned right off the hop too who, who, who is this individual and why why is he associated in a certain capacity with the campaign and and um, who is this? this this individual is mike butler and i don't want to talk about mike but i want to talk about the general view the
0: the, the, the reason the reason i ask uh, marco is i'm going to have an audience including myself going who the hell is he talking about because maybe people know exactly who this is and they know right. exactly yeah, i gotta be, be a little clear on that I, I, yes. I,
1: I shouldn't be vague so the individual is mike butler i've met him you know i you were at the debate uh we i think i got introduced to you officially officially after but i was sitting right beside him right at the at, at, at the the daniel smith table and um i didn't know any of this information i knew the position that he held um, publicly inside the campaign and I I had my concerns when some of this information came out, and I.
0: What is the concerning the, information with Mike Butler? Well, the, Sorry, I, d- I so, know you don't want to talk about him, but now I'm like, wow, we better explain exactly what uh, what your concerns are. What what's correct? What's, yeah. So there's
1: there's some concerns as to his political standing and his affiliation in previous years and his positions on on controversial issues uh, that 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 different political parties have taken a different stance on. So he's he's been affiliated uh, with. Uh, Through media, through not video, but through um, pictures and such, he's been connected to um, NDP campaigns, liberal campaigns. Um, Unfortunately, that was only a half truth. And the campaign has taken a lot of heat over this based on. You know, because we're in the leadership race, so we're we're infighting. Technically, the party's infighting. Like memberships are at each other based on who they represent, and who they support, and who they want to win. That's the unity aspect that we will touch base on later. But there, the information come out was bad, 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 bad. It looked bad. It it, it, it was bad. Unfortunately, it was only half the information.
0: Yeah. So, it, but it was just a broadside. Just, just to hop in here quick, just so people have an idea, so it's not your word saying it, here's, here's from uh, uh, True North. True North says, the National Telegraph on Sunday reported that Smith's campaign manager from Northern Alberta, Mike Butler, is a former provincial and federal NDP and Liberal can- uh, Party candidate. The article includes a photo of Butler's business card, which includes his name, title, and phone number, and uh, that, that's the big, the big story. And and then Danielle Smith came out saying, "We will not engage or participate in this kind of cancel culture tactic." She said in a statement, "Albertans from all walks of life and backgrounds have volunteered their time and efforts to move this uh, to this movement, and we welcome them." Correct,
1: correct. So it goes back to um, you know uh, individuals in, in opposing um, leadership uh, campaigns taking this and running with it, and 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 weaponizing. This information and this individual's background, um, but only taking half the truth—the half that obviously works for works works for them. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, you know, I've I've looked into these these um, this information because if it were true, it would be concerning because the campaign's job is obviously to promote your candidate, but it's also to protect your candidate. You know, you don't put your candidate in contact with people. Or individuals who have uh, priors, or who have uh, like political priors, or or who who have bad rep, or because it, yeah. it draws negative negative influence. You want positive, right? Mitigated, uh, mitigating a negative is still a negative, right? So, did in my in my uh, response to this, I I thought, hey, did did they screw up on this? Is this is this something they need to step back on, um, because one thing politicians haven't done over the years is admit mistakes and, and apologize. And, and I always, I always respect somebody who admits to a mistake and yeah, apologize. Yep. So I thought, Hey, if that's the case, and that's something we need to do, it, it would also look like you're pandering to the opposition, like to the opposing campaigns, which is not good either. Cause then, you know, everybody can influence, but unfortunately it was a half truth, you know, this individual, the position he holds um, and, and, and I'm not going to, people can look into this themselves, but, um, this, this individual has worked in the political realm on all sides. You know, I had some pictures that were shared with me with him, with Stephen Harper, you know, cause there was one with him, Steve, with Trudeau. So he had a picture with Stephen Harper. He had pictures with Kenny. He had pictures with, um, uh, one of the co- most conservative, um, talk show hosts, uh, I'm trying to think not, uh, not, um, either way it's it's lost on me I, so I, I got all these pictures and i thought good there it is there's the there's the whole truth there's the fact that this individual and people need to look at at who, what an individual what their role is in the campaign people who are on daniel smith's campaign aren't there to decide on policy they're not there because they're going to be second in command in in government no they're there they're they're getting paid to do a job because they're probably either really good at bringing people together raising funds strategy etc so they're there <clears throat> under strict instruction to do things in the campaign their personal views don't tie into a campaign and that's the part i wanted to focus on is that people have made it about individuals this is about a candidate this is about positions on a candidate but affiliation by individuals with other things shouldn't disqualify them from from being involved in our conservative movement you know big tent party that term's been used inaccurately many many times it's, it's it's almost a scary scary term i do believe in 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 moral governance moral law things like that representation but to k- cancel culture which is essentially what this is cancel culture and daniel Smith. Mentioned that cancel culture is unacceptable. You know, we we don't get to decide who wants to be a conservative. Obviously, their views are going to align with what conservative views are, but inside the conservative movement, there is a lot of different views. And you know, the, the part I focus on a lot is, you know, we probably agree on 85 to 90 percent of those views. It's the 10% that we can divide over. to to no extent. And we've seen that over the years, right? I would say you don't have to
0: be a a conservative, Marco. You could just be a person living, an Alberta resident. I bet you we all all agree on probably, uh, I'll go a little lower than that, 75% of most things, right? Do you see people being murdered in the street? No. Why? Because we all agree you don't do that. And I mean, I'm being a little bit, you know, tongue in cheek here, but you get the idea. I would say 75%. And then, as you get into different walks of life, you're you're gonna get up to that ninety percent, a hundred percent, like a ninety percent, hundred percent. Sound like I'm on uh, Anchorman? You know, it works sixty percent of the time, every time. Anyways, you get the point. Um, regardless, I get what you're saying. Like, uh, yeah. I think all walks of life agree on a lot, um, but it's some sticky issues, which comes with personal past, comes with family, comes with work, religion. Uh, way of life in general where now you have some issues that we all i i've you know i would say one of the things that's been really missing in our world not just canada but in our world is how you talk to someone who doesn't agree with you and i'm not saying i'm great at this i i, I think i'm learning i think i'm working on it but i think me saying that is probably better than 99.9 percent of the population. Uh, and I know there's a ton of people that are doing the same thing I'm doing, but I I, I just think so many people don't even want to go into those realms because it's uncomfortable. Because it's like I don't agree with that what you're saying. But I can walk away from the table not wanting to cause you harm and that type of thing. And yet this cancel culture persists. persists and that's what we see instead of um pushing up the the good, which I think is debate and uh sitting down two people at a at a table and and uh having a discussion and seeing where that goes and and good ideas pulling out the good ideas and moving along with them because majority of the population i think agrees on a whole hell of a lot yeah
1: yeah no i agreed 100% and and i just want to i want to bring a perspective into into this here and i hope that your viewers take this and, and and think about this you are who you are based on your upbringing based on on conscious that that was instilled by parents teachers uh possibly church if you're if you're religious now if let's say you're born into family or into as into a community that is that is and we're going to use the political terms here that is ndp or liberal to 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 come to step away from that at, at whatever point on whatever issue When you're raised in that when your family is that when that's ingrained in you when you when you truly believe in that to step away from that can be such an identity crisis for an individual so who are we to to cancel this individual when they have made possibly the 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 biggest decision in their life you know you families divide over politics unfortunately politics is polarizing so you have an individual and 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 this individual he he also his, his part of his career was this he you know lobbying all of that that that's that's the real story he was essentially uh, a gun for hire in a sense he's good at it he's a great guy but if he were if it, as an example if an individual were of a certain um, standing politically for them to come to the other side. And, and you know we like it when they come to our side that's great we want we want you know we want people to come to the conservative side but when they do that that can be such a, a, a fundamental crisis on identity on what you believe to be right on what you believe government is for on what you believe society does which laws are moral which aren't that who are we as individuals to read an article and to judge this individual on that Right to, to make this assumption, I've learned through the years that what can be achieved by communication, by, by sitting down, by coming to an understanding, by not always agreeing on everything, but to, 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 to understand a person is so critical in, in politics, in business, and even in family. We can take an article, draw a conclusion, and that's my position. That's not how things work. That's not how things, we can never accept that as, as a way to approach people and issues. We have to communicate and back to communicating you know, that was a critical thing regarding the 18 days, why we're actually, why I'm actually on the podcast. We're here to talk about these 18 days, but communication with my, with, with the role that um, is public and that we can speak to was, something we did something i did and we're completely switching over here yeah so no i we think can wrap an, up, we can wrap up this political no no Saturday, no I, wait, communication the, is key it's key so, in everything
0: so to the listener marco was uh i don't know if it was head spokesperson or just spokesperson for for there was um, only one so okay spokesperson th- yeah. the spokesperson for um the coots blockade so um that's the role we'll we'll keep it.
1: I don't want to incriminate myself. So let's keep it to spokesperson because that's what, what we know.
0: Yeah. Well, and the thing, um, from this side is, you know, I I think um Marco back in the day was thinking, you know, I don't know if I'm gonna make a name for myself in city councilor uh, counselor position. I highly doubt you were gonna be sitting at Coots uh talking to the RCMP. Um, you know, when you Google your name now, um, you know yeah, like, I'm, I'm aware. Uh, it, yeah. it, honestly, yeah. I, it's nothing bad in my opinion, but I come from a walk of life that went to Ottawa. So, I mean, um, I've seen all the reports and everything there, but you are in a, a select company, you know, you type in Coots and, uh, Marco and your name is, is everywhere, you know? So I guess, uh, when it comes to communication, um, let's hear about Coots. Uh, you were there the in, in entirety. Uh, you have an inside track on that. I, I certainly, you know, from where i sat um the 13 arrests i think it was the weapons seized uh i think there's four still being held um you know talks uh well um you know that cons- conspiracy to murder is no light uh thing you know so when when we come all the way full around yeah absolutely the whole point of having you on the podcast was to talk about coots you know it's funny that uh, it's taken this long but that's what I love about a good open uh, conversation. I think that's what the listener enjoys too. They got a good feel for where you're sitting now. So let's yeah. talk about Coots.
1: Yeah. So just to uh, back up a little bit, uh, Coots, my, you know, my participation, my, 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 my uh, actual being actually involved in Coots uh, wasn't, wasn't, wasn't planned uh, like premeditated weeks ahead. It wasn't thing that it wasn't a thing weeks ahead. right. There was a flyer that went out, regarding the slow roll, um, the week of the week of the event, right. As in, you know, Saturday, uh, the, um, the freedom convoy was going to show up in Ottawa and we were not, everybody could go to Ottawa. So, um, Alex Van Heer, for those who don't know, is a good friend of mine. Uh, he was also, um, uh, participating in, in, in the Coots blockade. And, um, um, we had followed, you know, Tamara Litch and, and, and company and, um in in because she's from medicine hat and in her uh involvement in in getting this this freedom convoy moving you know uh the trucker mandates was the last drop in the bucket in regards to this um so we followed it you know we followed it from vancouver island to the weekend where it hit calgary on sunday rolled through calgary a little to the south uh, rolled into medicine hat on the monday and and further, right by Saturday, it was in Ottawa, so they kept on rolling. And we had said, Well, you know, we want to be part of this, and it's not a part, it's not something I told my wife or or even you know, it, it was. I wanted to go and I discussed with Alex, you know what, we'll leave Wednesday night in my pickup and we'll catch up. Mm-hmm. Not knowing what Ottawa would be, right? thought, You go spend the weekend, go home, no, like. That wasn't planned on their end either like what does this actually look right look like right these these events were very organic and they the the blockades and 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 such developed as they happened um once once they were there there was definitely organization and planning but um, initially it wasn't sure what it, what it would be uh, same as coots very organic right um so on that Wednesday we started to hear about this and Alex had made the call to uh, one of these uh, individuals who had put out this poster, just like, Hey, what is this? And he phoned me back. He says, yeah, this is a real thing. And I said, yeah, no, like I'm probably, you know, Ottawa it's a stretch and I got a three week old baby, you know, that conversation's not going to go well. So let's just not have it. Let's just go to Coots, right. Coots is an hour and a half away. So that works a lot better than driving across uh, North America to go to Ottawa. So, um, ended up going down to Coots with, with, with a huge part of southern Alberta on that Saturday. Um, if you know the area of Milk River and Coots, it's a 15 minute drive. Well, when you have a two lane international highway, um, just full of trucks and supporters, you're talking thousands of people, and that's what it was. Turnout was phenomenal um convoys slow rolls came from every community you know southern alberta they came from high river they came from calgary vulcan fort mcleod tabor medicine they, they 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 came together just in lethbridge and just south of lethbridge on highway 4 and, and the convoy started right so it's um you know i and and i'm going to speak just to, more to the events of coots and, and such and at any time just butt in right because it's 18 days and i'm going to try try to speak to uh, things that I feel are, uh, are, are, are good for people to, to know. And, um, obviously interesting as well, but, uh, um, I might debunk some of the narrative that the media's put sure. out there because, you know, I was there, I know, um, 18 days I left. Um, we had a family weekend plan in Mountain Views. So that's just outside of Waterton, uh, months ahead of time. And the only time I left, so I was able to to go back and forth right like um after the tuesday the wednesday of the first week they effectively blockaded anybody from coming to coot so there was the back roads and you would have to hike up a hill so there was still a method to come in and out but not that would be on foot you'd have to park two miles away and huff it in and it you know it was cold weather for half of the blockade and i mean bloody cold it was minus 30 for a good part of the 18 days so that wasn't um, that wasn't ideal for for anybody to just say, "Hey, let's go take a drive down Coots and see the boys in Coots. No, they 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 created a blockade. And uh, but I had the ability to to um, transit that blockade. I was able to go back and forth. I guess that came that was a perk that came with the job. Uh, we'll see if it's a perk once this is all said and done. But that's um, I was able to go back and forth. You know, uh, meet with uh, the political side of things uh, provincially and even federally, but um, I only left in those 18 days. I only left once. And that was, um, we had rented this big cabin, my my wife's family. And that was the, the second weekend. So the last weekend. So I left on a Friday. No, I left on a Saturday night and you can, from milk river, you can cut through the whiskey gap. It used to be um, when through prohibition and stuff, it used to be used by, you know, rum traders and things like that. So it's called, and there's no service there. So I was able to cut across an hour and a half. I spent the night. It was the only night I spent outside of Coots. It was 18 days, um, and uh, the next morning I was back already. So um, I was there from the beginning till the end, and uh, very involved in, um, in 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 things. Obviously, you know, I can I don't have to worry about incriminating myself i got a hundred pages sitting right here on on a big part of an investigation by the rcmp um and i guess here, here here's a here's a comment that 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 that's here's a piece that's that's here it's it's part of their investigation summary of investigation and evidence gathered there's two articles and at the end of the day um it comes back to these four individuals still in jail that's what this this investigate this 100 pages is on it's really focused on the undercover work the rcmp did um toward toward them and such but um police determined they believe there was a leadership group and there was um not appointed leaders but when people follow somebody others will say he's the leader this person didn't wasn't a leader this person might have had influence. So when a person has influence, good or bad, others will call them a leader. So on a legal standing, it's unfortunate that, that you're now called a leader because they're going to look for the leaders because they're not going to press, they can't press charges on how many people were participated, like the Milk River blockade, uh, the weekends, the two weekends, like, and I, I like to call them the weekend warriors, but you know, the support was phenomenal, but we're talking thousands, like there's estimates of 30, 40,000 people coming through that event over the course of two weeks. You, you can't, they all participated, yeah. but you can't charge all these individuals. So they're going to, So they
0: look for key individuals. To they look for all key individuals,
1: right? And because um, I believe the the, the the guns and such were a separate thing it was, they were involved in the, in the blockade. They were there, they ate with us, all of that. But the RCMP looks at that as a, as a distinct group that was looking to do something. I'm going to use their narrative, but it's still the investigation into the complete blockade that is, that is starting to wrap up in certain elements. And we're starting to see, um, uh, charges getting levied against certain individuals. And, um, that's people said, you know, you guys got off on that. I, and I always knew, um, that, that we were we, we went down there and, and this is this is the frustration we went down there so you, we've talked about myself a little bit so what they've painted the brush they've painted us with is not who I am and I'm not going to talk about who I am I think the viewers and yourself will can determine who I am I'm a pretty pretty reasonable diplomatic guy um, involved in politics family business small town no priors you know no criminal record um my the questions you know that that i have to the government that that aren't still aren't being addressed to the governing bodies provincially federally is why were guys like us because they're saying the guys that were down there all crazy redneck this that fringe you name it but is that if the fringe is me then that's good and then the fringe isn't bad because uh, then you're part of it you know it's guys that think along the same lines are part of the fringe but why were we there why were we there to start with? You know, they want to look at this whole investigation and take this event 18 days and it's illegal, you know, the Traffic Safety Act or sorry, the uh, Critical Infrastructure Act and Traffic Safety Act. You know, they want to slam us with that. They want to whack us over the head. But the biggest question, and that's what the EMA is looking into as well, not outside the EMA, but the report that's coming in February on that the commission is working on and my involvement with the commission as well, is why were we there to start with? Why were blue collar, even white collar, why were blue collar burns Canadians, law-abiding, hardworking, family, family-oriented Canadians, why were they driven to a point where this was a lot, I don't know, a last resort, but this was a resort they felt they had to take. Knowing, knowing, because I was never gonna lie to myself, knowing, that there would be legal ramifications. Why were we there? But nobody wants to talk about that part. Right. And that in, in the coming months and and, and years with, with the the legal side, that's just getting started. That is because, because we were there, we, there was a blockade. I had struggled with being involved in that being an individual who really, who, who who respects the rule of law and believes in the rule of law, being involved in something like this. You know, so that in and of itself was something I, I, I really had an issue with. and Jordan, I to come to terms Jordan with.
0: Peterson has a line in, I think it's his new book, and I'll butcher it a little bit, but you'll get the gist. People should follow the rules and just law until the laws are no longer just. And what happened to everyone at that point in time was finally people had had enough. They just did. And politicians and everyone else can be scrambling, but that had been brewing for a full year. And so, uh, uh, my hats off to, to all the people who are like me, family orientated, just want to go work a job and worry about, uh, you know, I don't know, whatever happens on the weekends and nights and be around your family and your kids and do your business and everything else that uh, put that all to the side and went, well, this doesn't all get to be like life doesn't get to happen. If these things continue on, Uh, life will look a lot different, not only for myself, but probably more importantly for our kids and their kids.
1: And so I I just want to touch base on, on, on Jordan Peterson's um, quote in his, in his book. Um, he probably drew it off of off of something prior to that, which is from Martin Luther King Jr. Right in uh, 1963, when he was jailed in Philadelphia, um, do in, in the civil rights movement down there. He wrote to um, the clergy, black clergy, etc. And and this for me struck home and really helped me in understanding this. And, and cause I got questioned, like, how can your like, how can you be there? How can you, how can you do this? I had to, I had to come to terms with that, you know, cause I had to believe in it to participate and to be willing to take legal consequences for something that I, I need to believe in that. Right. You don't, you're not, I'm not saying anybody's going to jail, but if, if, if you were to, you know, you want to make sure that you believe in the cause. So it goes back to this and, and this is quote, um, one has not only a legal but a moral responsibility to obey just laws conversely one has a moral responsibility to disobey unjust laws and you know further it any law that uplifts human personality is just any law that degrades human personality is unjust so that that quote really hit home really meant a lot to me it's that like I said, I touch based on my upbringing. I grew up morally in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a, under the Bible. I grew up well, we were never lacking, you know, uh, we went through private school. We were all of that, but we went on holidays. We went to the swimming pool. We went camping. We went, you know, I went to Holland with my mom. We had a lot of family. We could do those things. October last year when I decided to rerun for for second term um, at that time the AU the Alberta Urban Municipalities Association had just happened it's coming up again in September in Calgary this year but I didn't attend because there was I would it would have been a huge bur- burden as an unvaccinated uh, member of 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 municipal polit- uh, municipal council so for me the biggest decision I made in the last year was to rerun and to be involved in, in the political class, knowing at that time with where we were heading, right. pre coots pre, you know, knowing that the next four years could be absolute heck as a, as an unvaccinated individual who had personal views and personal beliefs um, which I felt were, were, being infringed on like to, to be involved in that I could have stepped back and said you know what I don't need to go to these meetings where where you know I have to zoom meet or wear this or I can't go to this event and properly represent my community that was a real struggle for me at that time so my the my personal views on this were you know we, we got here we got some serious problems in in, in the province and um, there is no representation and we're being run by a health department. <clears throat> excuse me, but getting involved in, in the coots blockade because, you know, they're going to say it was organized and they're going to call people organizers, but it wasn't organized, it wasn't organized. And, and, and I know what happened and there's things that um, the RCMP know, know they have a lot so what, of information
0: so you talk about being at coots for the 18 days 18 days 18 days yeah what are some of the biggest frustrations you have then the misconceptions of it you know one of the one of the things that well there's two things that i've i've, I've probably repeated a lot about coots it was an illegal protest and uh Violence was, I mean, they, they rated it, right. They never had anything quite like that in Ottawa. There were certain different scandals they tried placing on Ottawa, you know, um, we can probably list those off, but when it comes to coots, um, legal blockade. And then on top of that, uh, all this, um, all the four individuals, right. That that's kind of what overshadows the whole 18 days is, is a group of men that, uh, you know, conspired to kill an RCMP officer is kind of how it gets labeled. Um, Marco, what, what, um, I guess, I don't know, are those the big frustrations or wherever you want to go? Yeah. So, so back to the illegal
1: blockade um, in and of itself, you know, I, I've had many discussions with individuals who participated after the fact and, and uh, they said, oh, we had every right to be on that highway. And I always shook my head and I laughed and says, no, no guys, no, no. You know, like I believe in the rule of law, you know, it, it, it was an illegal blockade. That is what it was. Um, that in and of itself is, is, is big. Now you take the whole story and it was a cry by um, individuals and, 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 and a lot, right. You've seen the, you've seen the turnout, you've seen the involvement. It was Coutts, you know, it was Ottawa big, you know, capital uh, Coutts wasn't the biggest blockade ambassador. It was, Way bigger uh, financially. But Mm Coots took the limelight, as in, Coots was where it started. Emerson, uh, Surrey, Ambassador, they all. You know, they all, there's no contact, but they all fed off of the Coots. Idea well, I mean, just, happening.
0: and, and then just carry on with that. Like, uh, cities, right? You, you go Regina, Florals. Edmonton, like everywhere, like this, this yes. spread, and you go, yes. was that organized? <laughs> to use one of the terms you've been saying, it's like, that's almost laughable, right? Like, yes. everybody it saw what was movement. going on and went, yes. this is a great idea. And that only yes. spread across Canada, that spread across the world. Now, back yes. to Coots. I know.
1: Back to coot. So it's it, like I said, it was, everybody fought, was fighting their own battle, right? Everybody, there was, you know, there was no contact COVID that was, that was the biggest thing is, is the families weren't allowed to gather uh, kids, you know, couldn't see, couldn't communicate with each other due to being masked. So it was a breach in, in the biggest aspect of, of our society, the inability to, to to communicate to feel etc with others but that frustration through through the freedom convoy the the, initial, the start of it was um became became a public thing people could participate in things where others were sharing similar concerns like You know, it wasn't a political class. It wasn't all those were only conservative. They were only, no, it was people frustrated. I met people who, if I were to guess their political standing, it wouldn't be the same as mine. But they came from Calgary to support this because they had an 11-year-old boy who was turning 12. And when he turned 12, he couldn't participate in sports or any other recreational activities because he had to be vaccinated and i heard hundreds of stories like that while i was down there so it was a part of the population um, from all 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 sides from all parts of the the, the the you know from all parts of the population that now voiced their frustration publicly and made a public fight out of this so this illegal blockade um that's what it's identified as uh, that is what you know blocking a highway is um Without bringing into the, uh, without discussing the circumstances that led up to it, you're you're, you're getting you're just getting a half truth, you know. So, um, back to or let's we'll, we'll talk about what uh, what really um, what really took the the attention after the fact. What really um, muted the message of Coots. Uh, which you know you've you've probably heard right um, at the time, it uh, the media portrayed that we were in, infiltrated by a um, by a criminal by a uh, uh, aggressive element and, and and our message was lost it was you know that Monday morning the message of coots the on many aspects you know the the peacefulness like. Among the, the individuals participating, the relationships with the RCMP, our goals, our man, our mandates, our requests—all of that was lost because it became it became all about guns, and it became about um, a narrative that uh, has truths to it, but isn't true. And that's been, you know, for me coming out of Coots, that was a huge struggle. Um, what what uh,
0: when when you say uh, it has truths in it? but it isn't the truth. Expand on that thought for me. So,
1: you know, if it weren't true, period, it's it'd be pretty tough to to build a story around it. But, um, there were things said and there, so, you know, uh, guns, you know, there's there's many stories out there, you know, they're planted, they're this, they're that. No, there was guns there. This is Southern Alberta. Since, you know, I know that the governments want to ban guns. They want to, they, in their minds, guns are bad already, but, legally we are still allowed to own guns you know and this is southern alberta you know this is my brother had a gun in the back of his truck on the way to coots my dad phoned him and said hey like that's not a good idea so he you know took the gun it was in a case it was legal he yeah. took it out you know at an event like that you probably you know don't show up with guns you know that that's that's what i would recommend to anybody uh if I were to write a book about uh, rules of protesting, don't bring guns. You know, that's probably a good thing. So, but 18 days, you're in the country, you're, you know, a small hamlet of coots, right? It's, it's coyote hunting season. So there was guns, uh, you know, and people will say, what are you talking about, Marco? No, there, there was guns because there's a point where I thought, oh, got to, this, there's no way, this is, this is not possible. But there was guns in the vicinity of the blockade. There would there would have been guns on farmyards, there would have been guns in residence in coots. So there is a truth that that's that's an example of, of, of the truth, but you 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 take that part of it and you tie in intent, and you have you got a big story, right? Now there's another truth that ties into that. People down there were frustrated, correct? There was events that happened during coots that would have frustrated people. I remember even in our own org, in 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 the blockade. I say organization. When I say organization, I'm just gonna. That's like a reference to blockade. Even inside the blockade, there was different elements. Right, there's different views. You know, some people, they were they're angry with the government. How can the government do this? You know. Emergency measures, mandates. I won't go into detail too much, but force this, do that. People have lost livelihoods. People can't go south anymore. Truckers. So there was anger. So when people are angry, they say things. They 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 express themselves. Um, we we I had to work with that too. I'm 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 you know if I'm the diplomatic guy. I'm the guy that I know uh, there on occasion there was guys that. Um, you know, there's, I'd be talking to the RCMP publicly, which I tried not to do, like, I mean, on the street or in, in, in public. I usually did it, you know, in my truck or, you know, just away from people watching or listening. And occasionally somebody would yell something, you know, at the RCMP, their 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 frustration was directed at the RCMP. Because who was there? Who was front and center in our way, in, in, in front of us? It was the RCMP. That was our contact with the governing body it wasn't like like even in ottawa it's not like anybody got the opportunity to talk to trudeau it's not that kenny came down to coots or to get a meeting with us no the rcmp was not the enemy because they, they had a job to do but for others it was the only contact they have they had with with the governing body outside of the individuals in Coots, right? So some of that frustration was directed at the RCMP at times, right? Things were said that that came from a place of 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 emotion, of in deep emotion, right? The stories of you know, of loss and 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 well, you, were, were were tragic.
0: You know, the the episode that comes out right before you is Ryan Olsen. So people will most likely listen to that. He was a guy who was in every meeting per se In Ottawa, very quiet guy, uh, is not a household name, certainly compared to a lot of the names that came out of Ottawa. He has a very interesting perspective because he was there for it all. And one of the things he talks about is something that you're mirroring uh, on a provincial level. And and he's talking the federal level is not one politician from any party came and met with them and they tried NDP, uh, liberal, conservative, you name it. They tried and not anyone would meet with them. And that's a frustration because politicians are supposed to listen to the people and find out what they're frustrated about, right? Not just read about it on the evening news. Yeah. And so one of the things you're talking about is on a provincial level, that happened uh, all over again. Maybe not to quite the same extent, but to, to a lot of the protesters, that's how they felt.
1: Yeah, so... There, I, I did have contact with, with individuals in the government, uh, you know, trans, well, previous transportation minister, she's now running for leadership. I did talk to her. Um, uh, I talked to, to uh, other MLAs that are, that were in the UCP, um, federally. I had, uh, met some members of the opposition, uh, obviously that were that are, that are from Southern Alberta, uh, come and meet with me, um, me and others. And, um, But, but nobody like there was, you know, there was attempt by those outside of the blockade who supported the blockade, who were on CA boards, there was pressure for Kenny to come down and, and not not address the blockade but to meet with 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 the protesters the blockaders and in my interviews and in my involvement with the commission now to because the, the 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 ema it's built in the legislation of the emergency act that there has to be an investigation into into the act when it's implemented because it's it's such an over overreach, overreach of power right it literally eliminates the charter um so the um on a, on a sliding scale of, of a one to ten or one to a hundred you know, on a you know everything's great in the province, and the country, and people are doing things, and it's just natural. It's just,
0: you
1: know, it's 2018, right? Now it's 2021, and you got a blue, you got a blockade, you got this, and you're you're you're, you're things are ratcheting up to to a to a place where it's justified to enact the EMA, right? Somewhere along the line, you're going to want to establish lines of communication. You know, and I say this with a smirk on my face, but somewhere along the line, you're going to want to phone the protesters or the blockaders and say, guys, can you please move? You know, you're really in the way. Like, come on. That never happened. That never, ever happened. Lines of communication were never opened up with those in power to discuss terms, to discuss things like that. And people say, well, you don't negotiate with terrorists. Trust me, they always negotiate with terrorists. It's perceived publicly whether they've whether they've met demands or such things like that. That's that's not what, what it was. But Coots and the request, underlying the requests, demands, asks, they were federal and provincial asks. The, municipalities had been members have been asking this for months weeks already this wasn't oh great idea we're the first guys out the gate with this ask you know please 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 remove the mandates please this please that no it it it, it had these asks had been out there they had been communicated the events were a result of these asks being ignored for how long and even during Mm -hmm the events of of ottawa and coots the disconnect remained the the governing the, the political class the governing bodies did not communicate with blockaders and protesters i know an an mp from southern alberta who was in discussions with organizers from ottawa and there was different groups there right it was, ottawa was a different animal than coots um there was there was different, you know, different factions, different factions. It sounds sounds extreme, but different different followings, different individuals, um, who were who were in contact with these MLAs and who were in contact with federal ministers, ministers and the cabinet ministers, who had to go to the obviously had to go to the prime minister's office, etc. But there was opportunity to make a deal where they would withdraw from downtown Coots. they wouldn't withdraw from the, from the city altogether but they would withdraw from parliament hill from downtown sorry downtown ottawa did it say down, downtown Coots?
0: downtown, downtown ottawa.
1: ottawa yeah they had they had the 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 organization wanted to do that the the blockade the the protesters wanted to do that but it ended that the, these ministers took this up the chain and it it, it stalled it got it, it never went anywhere so one, the question comes up, why was this not acted on? So in my mind, this comes back to a a to to the fact that the EMA was used as a political tool, not as an actual tool in regards to stability in the country. There was opportunity to de-escalate. You know, the 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 the, the media saying the RCMP requested this commissioner requested the EMA, all of that. That's that's already been debunked. Nowhere did did yeah. the R C T.
0: and ryan olson in ottawa talks about uh basically the day before that's enacted they're having pizza with uh, a bunch of different people within uh police and that type of thing talking about a bunch of different things that were going to be really good and then the next day he goes you know you, you sometimes wonder if they knew it was coming <laughs> but the next day it gets enacted and i mean basically destroys everything they'd worked up to And then, and then you, and then you, you tack onto that. Everything that's coming out right now, as they interview all the the people surrounding the emergencies act and you're bang on, right? Like nobody was asking for it. Uh, nobody, you know, uh, I'm, I'm sure they wanted things to move a little faster at times, but overall things were moving in the right direction.
1: Correct. So in, in, in the, the timeline of coots and we had our reasons as well, but when we open up the highway, one lane and when we obviously worked with the local schools and stuff as well to in the community to to get the blockade on the right side of the intersection so we weren't effectively blockading the community as well right that that took three days the media said it took forever and it never happened but very quickly you know we we shoveled people's sidewalks in that community like we were we we you know we handed out food all of that and so very quickly we open up lane we did something we said hey this is what were willing to do it wasn't until the tuesday the announcement of the second week when tuesday we we got this phase one phase two or stage one stage two stage three with a lot of maybes from kenny that we felt that it was so little and so much you know maybe so many uncertainties hinged onto onto these these stages that we felt we had to apply more pressure to the situation and we again locked down so but i just i so th- those are those are things that that we did as well it, the, the blockade was a tool used to talk to to a government to you know not even a government that's big but to to a cabinet to to a, to a, to a you know, pick committee to 10 individuals 11 possibly no 10 yeah 11 the premier's 11 that hadn't been listening it was a last resort, essentially. Like, you know, I don't want to think about any other resorts a person would have to take. That that's not even that's not in us. Like we've blockading. Like I wake up some morning to think, did I do this? This is so not in us. Some people will protest their whole life. Some people are anti-government. Like I remember the the little group, little gathering that stayed at milk river weeks after. You know, I, I went down there once just to, you know, like what's going on and just to check in or whatever. And you know some people, you know they'll they'll protest something their whole life, but that's not us. You know, like I said, we're we're law abiding, uh, uh, contributing members of society. So when you've driven that part of society or a certain part of society to to such an extreme extent, that there, there's a lot more questions that that beg answers than why were you guys at why were you guys participating in an illegal blockade? So you know back to this, this, this truth and, um, uh, the events of goods and, and there are truths, um, you know, the, the, the RCMP had undercover officers in the, in the blockade for a number of days. <clears throat> um, and they got in contact with some of these individuals that, um, are still in jail and have been charged with conspiracy to commit murder among others, um, murder of RCMP. So serious charge, but they, in, in all of this, there are things said by these individuals out of frustration, but it, there are things said that are almost pulled out of them by these, so these these these, these 200 covers were two girls. I'm aware of that. I don't, somewhere in the back of my mind, I can picture it, but I haven't, I'm just going through media from Can you give us a. some of the
0: things they said, Marco?
1: Uh, is that so, possible? So I, like I said, so um, um, okay, so um, we're talking about two individuals and a shipment that is being being brought in. So I dealt with shipments all the time: food, fuel, and trucks send down 10,000 10, liters of diesel. We're talking semis on the highway running nonstop when it's minus thirty. Like we're going through shipments of everything and uh, how it's being brought in by said individual. Uh, this is based on wiretap information. Um, so these two, these two U- UCOs, undercover officers, uh, were connected with these individuals that are in jail. Because they, they were, all four of them were uh, bunking together and such, but they weren't, they didn't show up together. They, they were aware of each other previously, like they, but there was they weren't friends. Two of them were, two of them weren't. So there was just, through Coot, you made the connection. was connection made it very quickly. You're on, you know, you're there for the same reason. There's a lot of trust built right away. So the, these undercovers uh, became, connect, and that was our goal, to really look into these individuals as well, right? So they were working with with these individuals to bring in this shipment of, of supplies, you know. Um, I had stuff. Brought in too. I says, hey, bring this and this and this and put it in a bag and can you give it along with so and so? Cause he's coming and then I'll pick it up here. Like that's the short story of it. rcmp says there might be guns in that package. Now the media reports that that there's possibly guns in that package. Is like, and that's enough evidence. So, you know, here the um the undercovers jokingly asked if if there was a bomb in the shipment. Cause if it was, she didn't want to be involved. I'm word for word here the two men laughed and said it was not a bomb but that's that's the information that that gets presented in the courts because but who who, who mentioned bomb first who mentioned bomb first the undercovers mentioned bomb so you have a hockey bag with stuff coming in and when you when you when you create a narrative of what could be in that bag when you say bomb you oh everybody's up everybody's like that's 10 that's serious but that's the narrative they created right so another thing and, and don't get me wrong they they did say things there are things they said that i'm like guys oh man like not smart but there's probably things
0: i said too that you know here's a question it, for you that just i'm curious on your thoughts mm-hmm. is are you thankful there you know as much as you look at the undercover officers and go they led them in in certain things Are you thankful they were there? Uh, and the reason I say that is like do you think they prevented something bad from happening or do you just think there was never anything gonna be bad happen there?
1: Well based on um, the events of the blockade, You know, the excavators got disabled. We opened the border. We closed the border. On the Sunday of the last Sunday, the events of Sunday, and then the Monday we announced we were leaving and, you know, the arrests and stuff, we were as positioned as we were ever going to be. The highway was closed. You know, we even had it that the RCMP had to drive by the bunkhouse to get to their their headquarters. Um, didn't make them very happy but that they had to because you know we had the ditches lined with equipment everything it was just and we're talking equipment you don't move any of that right so we were as positioned as we were going to be and the 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 feel on the ground with the rcp was had always been very courteous you know you've seen some of the videos of milk river and 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 the relationships yeah I'll, i'll go back to communication i had a stellar relationship with the um ccmg's uh, the ccmg's their um community conflict management group so these individuals are trained to to deal with situations like this so there's two groups they overlapped half a day and they were there for three days so they rotated in and out so that's that's who i dealt with on the hourly like non-stop so um the the, the relationship i had with them not, I'm not talking buddies. I'm just saying in regards yeah. to the situation was phenomenal. We When we were going to close the border, I phoned them and told them I said, we're going to close the border. That's how it happened. There was this communication 100% prevented um, uh, serious situations between, because they were very, like these op- there, was, there was huge organization down there on the RCMP side. Nobody like no officer, they they literally nobody goes through unless it's from the commissioner from like through the blockade, unless so eventually they did see me coming, but they still always had to radio it in. Like an officer, they were literally robotic to a certain extent of what their job was there. Checkpoint A, checkpoint, they just like. But in a situation where let's say we were to close the border. And they weren't aware of it. And also a sudden the truck fires up and starts moving. There could be a serious escalation of, of, a, of a situation in that location where an officer now has to, has to respond based on his training and his instincts without taking orders because there's no time for that. Right. He's, you know, you know, so you can have an escalation spiral out of control that never happened because they always knew what we were going to do. Now on their end, they didn't tell us everything, obviously, but we always communicated with them. Yes, we are blocking the border, but other than that, we are listening to, to you guys. We, uh, public safety was a huge concern. You know, one time there was some joyriding with tractors on a closed highway, right? Because it's closed, you know, 15 miles of highway. That's, so a bunch of these farm kids went joyriding with tractors and um, nobody thought anything of it. But the RCPs responded with their vehicles and just in front and behind and I had a sergeant come in, pretty heated, and uh, he said, "Quote, uh, Mark, these fucking tractors need to stop driving down the highway." And I remember looking at him and I says, "You're right. That's not why we're here. We're not here for this. We we need these tractors as 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 a, that those are our tools to to counter the the pressure by the RCMP, but they don't need to be driving. We park them. So what happened was we parked them." And the keys got pulled and the keys got put in a bucket and they went to the bottom, bottom drawer of, in the RV. Because what if an officer who is, the law is used to being listened to. So the RCMP officers aren't necessarily trained to, to, to deal with disobedience on a scale you know, that a blockade would be because we're literally disobeying them and they want us to go and we're still not listening for 18 days in a row. So there could be characters, there could be emotions inside the RCMP on on an individual level where an officer is like, screw these guys, they need to freaking listen. So he's going to enforce. What if we get a situation where something happens with a tractor and a cop car and somebody gets seriously hurt? That's not why we were there. That would take away from the message of why we were there. So all opportunity to to ensure public safety of participants of the RCMP were taken very seriously like that was a big part of my day-to-day to to make sure that scenarios didn't didn't have like that that circumstances prevented escalation other than our core objective which was to 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 be on the highway and to block the border other than that it was a lawful peaceful blockade so back to do i feel am i glad because the question was like am i glad that they were there
0: the question was were you thankful the undercover undercover officers were there uh in essence because they may have prevented something bad from happening like escalation between basically just what you said just in you know and their perception that there was going to be something carried out on rcmp officers do you think that it was going to escalate to that I mean that's a hard no, question. I don't, it's a, it's a I don't question. believe it was
1: going to escalate to that. I, I do believe there may there may have been individual views of participants. I know this. There's there's individuals that came up to me that were extremely frustrated. Marco, this is bullshit. You know you got to do it like this and this. They need to listen to us, who are you know that their frustration is based on events prior regarding maybe they couldn't see their dying mother in the hospital. Right? Like that's not something yeah. that I'm going to downplay. But it's something I had to deal with. Those are frustrations inside our organization that I had to deal with. Those are real, real emotions. And who am I to downplay that? I didn't, I never downplayed it, but there there was such tremendous strategy needed internally as well as externally. Right. So was there a concern for that? hundred percent every day from the minute I was concerned for, for rogue, rogue elements, pretty natural right there's rogue elements in the rcmp who, who who don't take orders to not not rogue to that point but there's you know the one nazi flag on in downtown ottawa it doesn't label the whole group right but the media made it out to be that way but we had good structure and we had good control and for us communication inside the group as well was critical and i was obviously very diplomatic in addressing concerns inside our own organization so could a scenario like this have happened? I don't know that. We'll never know. So I'm going to say yes. It surprises me that in Ottawa, it, considering the violence, considering the force used to, 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 to remove the blockade, it surprises me to this day, and I'm thankful for it, that a trucker who lost his job, lost his income, lost whatever he lost, did not make a last stand. Think about it barricaded inside a truck they're coming at you they're gonna smash your windows i am very thankful that there was not an individual who decided this is it this is the end of the world for me who made the last stand because people there's individuals who were at a place like that the government had segregated and divided society to such an extent that that there are individuals who who, who felt who felt yeah who, who, they're who backed into who a corner such a bad had... place had no. Yeah, they're backed against the wall.
0: They couldn't see any light in the world and could have pulled out any sort of thing and taken matters into their own hand, own hands to put it, you know, pretty much frankly. would have been very unfortunate.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you've when you have nothing left to lose. Like when, you know, if, if things would have continued to a point where society where we wouldn't have done this at this time and things would have escalated further for another year, COVID-wise, mandate wise, there would have been less to lose. When people would have been more that they would have taken more extreme measures because what holds individuals back on 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 serious responses is based on uh, family and, and and your loved ones and the fact that you want uh to live in in, in a society that that includes all you know and that, that we can participate in but when you've taken that all away and you've put people in a position where <clears throat> they're not part of that and the government's still telling them you can't be part of that. That's, that's huge. Like that, that goes against human the laws of human interaction and human nature. Right. So, and nobody wants to talk about that, but that part of it, um, it was a real thing. I, I had these conversations with, with extreme frustrations, not people who are saying, Oh, we got to do this based on, we got to, you know, we got to dig trenches. No, that never, ever happened. That never, ever happened. But um, back back to the undercovers, I do believe they had a role to play, <clears throat> 100%. You know, they, they, they did investigate these gentlemen. There were things being said. Um, the, unfortunately, the, the narrative is taken out of context, and they've charged all of the individuals with possibly the actions of one or two because, as an example, they were sitting at the wrong table. And that's my fight is that, um, you know, some of these charges of the 13 initially have been stayed. Um, Joanne's being Joanne Pearson, you might've heard her. She's being persecuted uh, quite extensively in regards to being involved uh, in uh, going, you know, going out the highway with the wrong way on a closed highway the one time. So the RCP has these tools and, they, they they haven't said, you know, you were part of this because you're trying to get home um, and there was a blockade and when they bro- broke through, you drove with. No, they're 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 leveraging serious driving offenses and, you know, charging her to the full extent of the law, you know, and and giving, you know, they're coming forward with a plea bargain that puts her in jail for two years for a dangerous driving offense and uh, prevents her from living within five or 10 miles of the border. Well, that's, that's, that's completely ludicrous. Have you ever heard of anybody going to jail for dangerous driving so um there are truths yes the truth is that that is dangerous driving but you got to take the whole truth right because if the truth if you only take part of it it's, it's skewered it's it's not factual based on the events and how things go so some of this is things i'm not aware of like some of these situations were obviously things they were they were doing themselves because people had 18 days and I wasn't watching every every participant but some of the stuff I was involved in I was aware of of the details of, of an event and the RCMP has it wrong they just they just have it wrong <clears throat> so the the courts will determine you know eventually it's just I think if justice is to prevail I think the gratification of justice May be long lost by the time that it it, it uh, justice comes through, right? Based on how long how how our legal system works, so that's unfortunate. Um. So you know, it just uh, I there, like I said, there's, there's not a lot I can say about. Well, here here's a couple right?
0: thing a couple things come to mind because uh, you yeah. know when you talk about. Uh, the four individuals and, and everything, blah, 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 blah. That's not like it's forgotten past. It isn't. But one of the things that the night I met you was going on was one of your good friends, uh, Alex. And I got I, I pronounced it the wrong way. The, the first time Alex Van, is it her? Van Herc. Van yeah. Herc um, was arrested, uh, taken into custody you care to shed some light on that one? Cause he's, he's now out. And I think that'd be very relevant for people to hear. Cause I mean, it literally just happened. And I, if I wasn't standing beside you, I would have had zero idea this was going on. And I assume Alberta for the most part has zero idea this went on. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Correct. It, it, um, you know, I, I was at the right place that night to, to share some of this, you know, uh, Rachel from true North was right there. So I was in the lobby. I think I missed a, a very good three course meal, unfortunately, but, um, um I uh I'll back up to to the events of that day so I was in Edmonton with legal with with my counsel to where I was being interviewed by lawyers uh representing the commission from Ottawa and and physically in Edmonton so that's why I was in Edmonton and I combined it with the debate right because I'm I'm almost five hours away from Edmonton. So it's not, I wasn't driving five hours just to go to the debates. I know you drove at least two, but five is different. Right. So that's why I was in Edmonton. Uh, I had opportunity to do it via zoom, but something as critical as, as the, the interview with the commission was not something I was prepared to, to, um, uh, to do with zoom. And uh, also, you know, the, the, the legal side, my counsel, um, it was being funded by uh, the democracy fund. So that was obviously very appreciated. Uh, and they have requested standing at the commission as well. So I was there for that reason. And as I was walking into the interview at about uh, uh, one o'clock, I got a call from Alex. So Alex, he's uh, like I said, he's a participant in the blockade. He's a good friend of mine. He's um, he's a farmer uh, just south of, Farm of cloud and quite involved uh, less involved politically, he's, he's definitely, you know, I think he's bought his USB membership, but very involved in some of the freedom movements. He got a call because he had got charges stemming from the Grace Life Church um, event that happened last year, March, with Pastor Coates. And if you recall, the, the RCMP under, under orders from AHS um, put a fence around that whole compound and uh, prevented uh,
0: the people from attending church from, church attending,
1: meeting, church. from ch- attending
0: church think uh, of how uh, far first, we've come i mean yeah, anyways that's right that first
1: yeah. weekend there was a pretty sizable turnout to this this um this uh this location by protesters um alex being one of them i, I remember him asking me hey mark are you coming and i, I thought about it and, and i never did and, um i'm in a way thankful that i never did Uh, not saying that I would have been doing the same things that Alex does. We're best friends, but we're not, we do things differently. Um, But he, um, he, he, his, um, his, uh, um, his, I'm going to, I'm just talking about his personality. He, he, the, the unjustness of it all trying to think of his, his uh, maybe Dutch term, but he took that very serious, you know, being religious, you know, they're blockading like they, they're literally preventing this church from gathering and this pastor is getting charged with having the church open. Cause it, it was a, it led up to this, right. It wasn't just a three day event. No, it was months and months. And I don't agree with, yeah, no, I, I don't know all the details and I'm pretty sure that it, there's, there's two sides to the story, but there's a fence around the church. There's a protest. Alex is there. And, um, he is caught on camera, um, and the courts will determine this, whether he's putting the fence up or taking it down. One of the, one of the two, because he's holding off to the fence, which is public information. So he's either helping put it up or take it down. I guess the RCMP officers on the other side of the fence will have to testify to that. But he got charges from that. He got uh, mischief under 5,000 and um, obstruction of officers charged along those lines um and he uh they've they've called him on it they've asked him to come in on it and he always felt that the political the the COVID landscape was changing and it was in his best interest to delay as long as possible before dealing with this and he's probably not wrong um but I had always advised him go in deal with it But he had a bit of an objection with the fact that they take your fingerprints. And if you then are convicted, they get uploaded to the database. So we had many arguments, but I was like, buddy, it's just fingerprints. But he just, something in him was, they can't do that. They have no right. So he was, he's like, hey, I'm not doing it. So he never went in. The RCMP never made any real attempt to deal with it. Like, I'm pretty sure if they would have pulled him over in a traffic stop somewhere in Lethbridge and they would have pulled his name up, they would have seen, hey, you're standing warrant. You're coming with us. Never happened. So it never got dealt with <clears throat> after the fact of this of, of last week, Thursday, after Thursday, we now realize that the investigations into coots are at a point where they're laying charges because there have been no charges laid on any other individuals other than the, 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 the week that the blockade dispersed and those individuals. Um, so he gets, he phones me as I'm going in and he says, Hey, Marco, swats on my yard. So when I say the yard, he's got a farm. It's big. He's swats on his yard. They're at his house. He's not, he's not home. Right. But he's aware of it. And, um, I remember telling him, I says, I was like, Oh boy, they're, they're after you now. Like this is it. And I remember advising him. I says, Alex, don't get arrested. People are going to be like, Whoa, Mark, what are you talking about? I said, don't get arrested. I said, because there's always strategy, right? There's always strategy in how you respond to these things. I said, if you get arrested, the record states that you evaded arrest and that they had to come and get you and that, you know, you resisted arrest and that'll be uh, critical in in, tri- in in the courts and determining who your char- who you are and your character and all of that, right? They'll, I see how this works. I see a lot of stuff here that they're saying and they use that. I would said, you need to get into form a cloud and you need to turn yourself into the local attachment. You need to take back the control or not the control, but you need to let the record state that you turned yourself in. That those are two critical things. Um, many of he's, he comes from a big family too. Many of men and they're, they're I think his family is overall 20 years older than our family in a sense, but many of his brothers advised him not to do that. Uh, I'm very thankful. He thought about it and did exactly that he turned himself in um he was informed that they were there for charges stemming stemming from the um, grace life church event and that all he had to do was come in do his fingerprints do this do that and he would be released by supper um he went in and he went in with a bit of an entourage, you know, about 20 people went in and, you know, just support, right. Just, Hey, you know, Alex, uh, like, what are they actually going to do? Then, you know, there's a bit of mistrust and um, I I'm in this interview and I'm coming out of this interview and I'm hearing that Alex is still, um, still in jail. And now there's additional charges. And I was in the interview with his lawyer, so I'm in, in Edmonton with his lawyer and he's in jail at Fort in Fort o'clock or in, 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 just in the detachment, not in jail. Right. He's, he's there. Um, By five o'clock. So, you know, the VIP portion of the debate started at four 30. I don't know if you were, yeah, you were part of that. Yeah. You were yep. there. Yep. Um, I Um, w- I showed up there with uh, a good friend of mine, David Parker. And very quickly I was dealing with this and I ended up going into the hallway and started taking calls from individuals down there and Alex himself even reached out and I became aware of an additional charge, a charge of mischief over 5,000, serious charge, stemming from Coots. So the RCMP um, had communicated that as he was going in and he thought, he said, well, I still have to deal with it because this is serious. Like SWAT's got the place, like this is, they're here now, like this is not going to, I can maybe get away for another 24 hours but they're going to get me like this is not the wild west anymore right so that was um thankfully his conclusion as well as mine and he went in um the rcmp had communicated and this is serious crimes out of erdry that is down here they had communicated that there would be that there were no conditions when he's in there and he gets he, he you know last night i was with him we had a big event for mcleod and um, I was, I, I've talked to him many times that like he phoned me the minute he walked out that night, but he, um, he said, I went up to actually go and sign, you know, the, the document. And he's like, I have seen your name. So my name, he seen my name on, on, as one of the conditions. So one of the conditions was that he have no contact with me. I am his daughter's wedding the weekend before. Um, my first job was for him when I was 13. Um, when I moved out, they were like a second family to me now as adults were, we we're, were equals in a sense, but we were just like, we're, we're best friends. Like, it's not even that we were both involved in the, in the, in the blockade. We're both at coots. It's, it's a request. It's a condition that even if we agree to it, we cannot actually commit. We cannot actually accomplish small town. Business intertwined, family intertwined. Uh, it's a scenario that that I see played out with Tamara Lynch. So Alex signs, and we run into each other in the post office. We agree to this condition. So when we break it, they're going to put us, put him in. In, in this case, him. But I know what's coming. So they, they put him away for good because he broke his own agreement. Correct? That's how I work with Tamara Lynch, right? So he's he's seen that. And what he actually physically did is what he told me yesterday. He says, I took three steps back, dropped the pen and said, where's the cell? You know, like I'm going to jail. Like I I can't sign this. It took a bit for that to come out to the public, people gathering outside. Um, To myself, I heard something about a condition. So I right away thought, oh, this fingerprint scenario. I was like, oh, Alex, is this really a hill you want to die on? You know, you got to do this fingerprint thing. 10 15 minutes later, I got a call from the lawyer from Martin, who was on his way down to back home to Calgary, who's dealing with this, and said, No, the condition is that he has no contact with you. So I was caught off guard completely. I was like, This is ridiculous. This is unacceptable. Um, and it was the RCMP. I don't believe that that the RCMP officers, serious crimes, SWAT, who's implementing who's 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 um Who's enforcing this arrest wasn't aware of this condition it was on the document and if they were it's a sneaky move by the, the crown prosecutor to throw it in last minute either way he can't sign that I know he can't sign it I couldn't I can't sign it because it's not something we can do so it puts us into serious problems down the road so this 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 the public becomes aware of it. People start responding. I get true north on and Rebel News on on the story right away. Um, I felt I was at the right place to be dealing with this. I'm thankful I wasn't in Fort McLeod because um it would have just as a, you know, it's our town, you know, well, big think, Well think There's... about it.
0: You know, you always think of like these these little moments. You're like, why why was I sitting where I was sitting when X happened? You were sitting in a place where all of Rebel News was. You, you already mentioned True North. Yeah. I, I'm. I don't put myself in the same category, but I don't not put myself on the side of. You know, we would have never met if it wasn't for we that. We would have never met. And yeah. I. And I was. I. I came home from there going. I just got to like kind of witness in a really, like four broken conversations how a guy was arrested, to how he was released with a group of people out front putting pressure on them to release him, and you go. I. We can get into why you were there at that point in time, surrounded by probably some of the most influential people in Alberta to have conversations with, to put pressure on it. And then, I mean, you bump into me as a, maybe a cherry on the top. I don't know what I am, but regardless, um, you get to hop on here a week later and, and you go, yeah, that was, um, quite the timing, right? Like that was almost perfect timing for something, uh, to happen to have a repercussion or whatever, a, a bounce back opportunity, whatever we're going to call it, where you get true North rebel Sean Newman podcast. I don't know if I get to put myself in the same uh, category um, as that, but, but regardless.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree. So, cause even um, j- like just before six o'clock I had thought, well, oh, if I, if I get, if I leave now, I'll be there at 11 and I, cause part of me wanted me, I wanted to be there. I was concerned again for, cause for, for what could happen and, and, you know, keeping things peaceful. So I'm in contact with, with family of mine who are there supporting, right. And family of his lawyers, lawyers are asking me. And, and this part is, is again, and I kind of laugh and there's no criminal charges coming out of this. So I'm going to tell the whole story on this. So I kind of laugh. It says, I know why they don't want us to talk. I know why they want us. They want to cut communication between Alex and myself as Alex is in jail and I'm in Edmonton and this still happened, we were were still able to get this done. Right. So it goes back to guys were keeping this peaceful until we became aware and it it, it remained peaceful, but the support was building, but no, no equipment, nothing like that. It was just good. You know, it was just people coming out in front of the attachment and, and just, you know, hanging out. Uh, I think that the point where the RCMP realized like, Oh boy, what's going on is when one of his brothers, who has a porta potty company, showed up with a trailer with porta potties because that signals a long term commitment to, to being in front of this attachment. Uh, you know, we had people from uh, you know, even the mayor of Fort McLeod was, um, was there, they had unrestricted access to their attachment for emergencies, etc. But the concern was that they would try to whisk Alex out of there to either. Left bridge or such. So that was something we were trying to prevent because any kind of leverage or pressure we're trying to put on him was possible due to being a small town, small detachment, all of that. But you bring Alex into the city and that just put him, those put him away until he does agree to sign these conditions, which is legal, which is justified on their part. That's, that's, they're allowed to do that. And if he signs and breaks them, he's back in jail again based on how the justice system works, right? So Um, the, the, the the issue really became the RCMP had repeatedly lied to the public, lied to Alex, lied to myself on, on critical things, you know, be released by supper, no conditions with these conditions. If you know how the legal system works is it automatically triggers bail hearing Thursday night lawyers phones. me says, if he signs now, we might get a bail hearing Friday. If not, it's Monday. So now he's in jail till Monday because he's going to get released on bail. Right. He's not a, he's not a flight risk or anything like that, but that's a little different than being released before supper. So there was some serious um, frustration with that and anger with, with the RCMP small town, former cloud, RCMP officers, you know, and, and they were, I I wouldn't say they were, they weren't the reason. They were just there helping, uh, and, um, enact the, the arrest etc well right? i mean they're van, just responding
0: van hirk in the story says uh it was the, they support, worked of with the pe- yeah. support of the yeah. people outside the people depat- the, the, depat- the oh my goodness outside the detachment but pressure on the crown to withdraw the conditions he praised the officers saying they fought hard to have the conditions withdrawn so like by all sta- uh, accounts it was all positive on all fronts except for some of the things that got slid in like you say And then all of a sudden the crowd forms and they probably, I I don't know. I mean, geez, they were, uh, I assume, you know, the idea was you rest them on the farm, you whisk them away or, you you know, you take them away. He signs the conditions. Now you've taken, you know, uh, they've identified, obviously, uh, one of the spokespersons of Coots and his best friend as being a little bit of a problem child. And they're going to try and find ways to make that more difficult. And instead.
1: Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So the RCMP now the concern with the, with the RCMP on the ground and obviously the officers from serious crimes that were in form McLeod cloud was what this could be. And those concerns are well, the, the, those concerns are legitimate because what this would have been by the next morning. And it's not of my, not of my doing, but what this would have been the next morning would have been big would have been a thousand people. And and there was no, you know, there, when something like this becomes public, the, the, the RCMP, the, the crown takes a position. Now it's public. Now they, now they, now they're held. Now they have to follow through, but the public took a, took a position, took a standing right from the beginning. And it was growing by the, by the hour, there was 50 more people. And it, when it became apparent that they had no intentions to release him unless he signed those conditions is where we said, this is where we need to hold them accountable. They cannot, I understand how it works. When you have no support, when you really can't afford to take a day off and you, you have, you have no choice, but to sign conditions, the RCMP impose on you communicated or not it's let in on the last minute or not. You have no choice. You might have to go home. You might, your kids might be at your grandparents. Thankfully, we have that support in our small, in our rural areas where uh, people come out because we care, you know, we care for each other and you know, big families help, but uh, like I said, I, my family alone is a small army. But um, it uh, it was the injustice of how they laid these charges and try to implement them that triggered this response. We didn't we didn't push to withdraw charges. The charges, we understand where they came from. We understand that. That goes back to previous conversation. We know something's coming, but it was the injustice of the condition and how they tried to implement that, that we weren't going to let happen. We weren't just going to take that sitting down. So we responded. And I'm not going to speak to my involvement in that. I was in Edmonton, so there, you know we'll just leave it at no involvement. But um, equipment showed up. We said, this is where we stand this is wrong. And, uh, thankfully in those four or five hours, there was a lot of political pressure. There was a lot of pressure from the RCMP to prevent uh, a serious escalation, not, not like a peaceful one, but a serious, you know, you, also yeah. you've got your, your town that increases by a quarter of the population. Cause you've got a thousand people coming from BC, Saskatchewan, et cetera. So, um, they made the right choice. Unfortunately, this crown prosecutor isn't so happy about it because he really wanted this. He imposed these conditions and I got to hear the next morning that he was, he was quite pissed. So um, for Alex, it's good. Unfortunately, it, it, um, it concerns me a bit about, because I've been informed that, uh, that I have charges coming uh, from my from my role in, in Coots and uh, I was supposed to see them um, based on what the RCP communicates communicated. I was supposed to see them today or, to, or yesterday or today. And on Wednesday they, they phoned and said, actually, it'll be a couple of weeks yet. And it just getting this, this investigated this, this report here here as well and reading through it uh, in regards to events in the comp in, in the blockade, um these four individuals are obviously being the highlight of the investigation at that time but uh just the only name that i keep on running into is that of my own it 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 concerns me that the charges are determined that's what they've communicated to me so i got a wasp buzzing around my head i
0: thought i saw yellow you see that
1: (laughs) i got my window open no screen in there yet. i'm gonna have to I'm gonna have a big wealth in my head to write it. So um That's um, a fir-
0: that's a first for the podcast. Say I was yeah? joking with you beforehand about, you know, different places, microphones, all that dust di- evidence
1: to kill something.
0: But uh, but uh I've never seen a wasp come flying into an interview before, rate right, buzz, you know, yeah, I got fly the by the head. That's pretty good. Sure. Watch out, watch out.
1: I have to get this right on camera now. You know that, right? People are gonna, everybody, all your viewers are gonna laugh if I miss and get stung. Good, um, <laughs> a little butter. Um, <laughs> so, I guess going back to, uh,
0: so you're waiting. You know, as we i up. I'm, I'm
1: now waiting for this to happen. And I told Alex, I says, I'm, I told me like, yes, I said, you know, I'm going to be dealing with all your shit. He says, now they're mad at you and I'm going to get the, I'm going to be the one that has to pay for it because your, your, you know, your scenario is kind of done to this point. And, and, uh, um, just a little worried about some things. We've definitely, we're taking proactive measures. You know, the lawyers have reached out to the prosecutor. We've reached out to the RCPSs. And I well, said, I, I, t- I left.
0: I tell you what, Marco, you when, yeah. when you know more, We'll, uh, we'll keep our lines of communication open um, because, because yeah, I that's mean, that's story can, all on its own. Well, that's right. And the thing is, is uh, we've been going for two and a half hours now and I look oh, at wow. the clock and I just go, you know, I, I, do, am I opposed to five hours? No. But I mean, at this point I go like, there's some topics, uh, you know, that as more information comes to light, I think you'll be better, uh, you'll have better tools to talk about it. And one of the totally. things that's probably hanging over your head is exactly what it's going to be. And, uh, you know, the fact that it was supposed to be out today or tomorrow, and then all of a sudden they go, oh, it'll be a few more weeks, feels almost like a tactic in itself. Regardless, before I let you go, and I would just say, uh, when things come to light, you just reach out and, and we'll Absolutely. see what we can do on this side. Okay. Um, yeah. But before I let you go, we always finish with a, with a question. And I'm, I'm really starting to wonder if I shouldn't start with this question, folks, because I feel like it's becoming increasingly, when I have people such as yourself on, you get what you stand behind. But the, the question is, we'll, we'll start here. It's a crude master final question. Probably should be the crude master first question. Maybe that's where we'll go. Anyways, a shout out to Heath and Tracy McDonald. They've been supporters of the podcast since the very beginning. And the question is simple. Uh, he said, if you're going to stand behind a cause that you think is right, then stand behind it Absolutely. What's one thing that Marco stands behind? One
1: thing Well, that's the tough part of the question. Um, But in in general, um, for me, regardless of political standing, right? Because we touch base on that and we touch base on my views on that regardless of political standing, I believe in, in, uh, the freedom of, of expression, personal autonomy, and the role government plays in society, and obviously COVID is still first front and center in in, in our in our lives. The effects of COVID, for me, it's it, it's ultimately justice. There there's there's parts of this uh, of events through COVID that. You know, taken out of context, showcase um, illegal activity, showcase uh, or, or represent things incorrectly. This this first and foremost goes back to the government on the, the the improper responses. And like I said, we're not here to we're not here to point fingers at them. You know, many people did many things wrong. I did things wrong. I held views, but for me, the cause the cause that I stand behind. Is, is 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 getting society back on track in regards to the the, the 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 what what we've lost in the last two years and i'm not talking about necessarily the freedoms i'm talking about the the ability to interact as as communities the depolarization of, of families Churches, schools, like we have, and it'll it'll take years, but we have a society that has become so partisan and so polarized and so positioned on 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 things that that weren't even issues that didn't even matter, you know. And I always talk the red combine, the blue combine, and the yellow combine, but those are real things. Those are those those the 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 pain, uh, the the hurt that is still happening because you know politically you know the, the healing that's needed as, as, as a country and as a province and, and, and as, a, as, as, a, as a community and even as families like you know um, there is so much anger individual, individual anger but there's so much uh, you know there's terms like societal anger that 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 is being directed in all directions that we need to address and, and deal with and you know without going back to the to the cause to the to the mistakes I'm not talking prosecution some people want to prosecute everybody but these even are even those in, in power above us they 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 were in impossible situations I do believe that and we, we, I' I'm not I'm not saying we need to prosecute them, but we need to hold them accountable otherwise we're, we're, we're prone to repeat. But never mind repeating, we need to go back, we need to address what happened like these um, these these candidates are, are looking, they're saying they're going to have independent investigations into uh, re- protocol, COVID protocol, COVID responses. you know, AHS, there has to be accountability. We have got to bring accountability back into the system. If we don't start at the beginning and we only start halfway to try to fix things, we're, we're we're set up for failure, right? So, the biggest thing for me is obviously no, the same problems will
0: the same problem will persist will just under yeah. different yeah. leadership.
1: Yeah, like obviously, I feel that there's certain leadership that can work that do this better than other leadership, and those are individuals and they do have a political standing and they are part of a political party. But this comes from all sides. This comes from, you know, it's unfortunate that, that, you know, I look at this event in Grand Prairie Monday, was it this? Elliot,
0: Elliot McDavid. Yeah.
1: Like I, I I've met Elliot McDavid on many occasions. Do I agree with him on everything? Absolutely not. I just, I'm, I'm just so disappointed in a lost opportunity. You know, if it would have been you or me there, we might have been looking for a confrontation, but let's say we went after it because we are, that that is allowed. We are in a democracy, but I just, I'm just so disappointed in the choice of wording and the fact that, you know, he, he, he responded from a place of deep, deep emotion, but he, he had an opportunity to engage with an individual and, and strong words would have been necessary and, and deserved. And, you know, that's, that's the reality of it. But, Unfortunately, his choice of language has discredited him. Everything he said, everything he represents, everything he's been involved in, but that also comes from the other side, and that's where the other side, because it's tough to, it's tough to, to uh, applaud his actions. It's tough to publicly say, you know, good on him, you know. But we don't know his circumstance. We don't know the loss and the pain and the hurt he's he, he's 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 endured. But at the end of the day, I do know one thing in that he is fighting for what he believes is right. Now, the actions is probably, the tactics is probably where I agree with, disagree with him. But his goals might be similar to yours and mine. Yeah. He might but be on the what, same,
0: he might be on the same road as all of us. Exactly. But it's in a different lane. Yeah.
1: So it's just, it's the fact that the opposing side has so much to gain. From the continuation of the, the the from from continuing the divisive politics,
0: the rhetoric that it's a bunch of male angry white males that are misogynist, white race or white racist, blah 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 blah, and he fit the profile, and they were waiting along with all of media for one to step out of line, just like they were in Ottawa, just like they were in Coots, just like they are everywhere, because yeah. that's what they do to form an idea. The problem is. Is I think at this point, and I don't get me wrong, because I agree with everything you just said on Elliot McDavid. I'm just so far gone and past the uh, the the media at this point reporting on one side of things and only um, pushing up when it's an attack on a liberal. You know that that that's all they do. Um, at this point, I think so many people have just checked out. They're just like, Oh, whatever. I'm just like, uh, there's a ton of people ask me if that's a fake video. And I'm like, I don't think so. No, Like to me, I don't think it's a fake video. He's already, he's already had a a response video to all the hate he's received on it. And, you know, it's just, there's so many people that are just checked out. They're like, I've already, I'm already done with all this. We're moving forward. And these are the things that are going to come into play over the next year, well, in the next month in Alberta, and then the next six months, eight months, year, two years, and people are falling along either way, Marco, I've really enjoyed this. Uh, like I, I do, um, truly mean it. You have my number. So as things start to progress or, or, or whatever degress, if that's a, if that's a word, I don't know, regardless, you got my number. Let's stay in communication here as we move along. And, uh, the podcast on this side of things will we'll certainly do my best to, to keep people informed. Cause I think, you know, one of the things I look at the chance encounter just as much as anyone else, are me and you going to agree on everything? No. Are my listeners going to agree with you on everything? No. Uh, that's what I love about it. Uh, but regardless, something happened in Alberta that I didn't hear and I can't read every news article and, and listen to every podcast. So to hear it firsthand, to shed some light on it, to hopefully, you know, let other people hear it as well and go, Oh, and start thinking about some different things. That's what we do here. And I just appreciate you giving me some of your time this morning. And I assume somewhere down the line, our uh, paths will certainly cross again.
1: I do believe that. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this as well. I, uh, I had a lot of information uh, come, you know, come, uh, come to my attention even in the last 24 hours. Um, So it's like, what, what do I share? And I think we, we, we went, we it was very organic um but we didn't go down too many rabbit trails um i think there's a lot that we can definitely um discuss uh, going forward and there will be developments uh we'll call it that 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 are that are happening and um i I really just appreciate the opportunity to to you know that's that's back to the cause and i'm going to keep it real shorter is to get the other side of the story and that's what your podcast is right because there's media and in in my interaction with media as the role i took and even friday i had the new york times reach out again and i've been talking to them quite a bit they're doing a big piece on coots and the political climate in alberta so i've spent hours with them in the last month or two but the comment from this individual and she's she's, she's not from alberta and she's just like what she said really makes me think and it's 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 it's, it's, it's about me but it's she says after hours and hours of discussion and I even met her she did come down here and she says, you are not who they say, who I, th- or sorry, you are not who I thought you were and who she thought I was, was based on the information she gathered, you know, I made me wearing a red plaid jacket and a ball cap and, you know, in the wind and weather, I'm pretty luff. I'm a, I'm a redneck, redneck in, 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 in that context, but it was bloody cold and all of that too. But I'm, I'm who I'm who I am, but the media had got it wrong on that one already. They, they portrayed us all to be crazy, redneck fringe, you name it. And then when we actually Simpleton. have these interactions, people are like, are, are surprised
0: yeah,
1: at who, who I could be and who others may be. And that is my, that's how I'm going to end. It's like, look into things, you know, to your viewers, you know, don't, make a determination. don't don't draw a conclusion off of an article shared from halfway across the country that, that's 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 going to be the breakdown of the, that's going to result in the breakdown of society you know go to the source look into things you know use use cbc and rebel to draw your conclusion is kind of what i would say yeah. right but um i really appreciate you having me i i do believe we'll um we'll uh we'll be in touch again unless the RCP makes it a condition that I don't go on the Sean, the Sean Newman show, but I'll wouldn't promise, that, you, the, I'll that promise be a, you, Sean, I'm not signing that.
0: Uh, wouldn't that be a badger honor? hey eh, listeners to have, uh, you know, I've been removed for YouTube uh, for a Chris Barber interview uh, oh, among man. others, but Chris Barber was the nail in the coffin. Wouldn't that be a condition? You're no longer allowed to talk to this media source. I tell you what, I, at this point, that would be a badger honor. I think, uh, yeah. But regardless, Hey, it's been a, it's been a, it's been an interesting couple hours. I appreciate you, you hopping on and give me some of your time and, and certainly being open, uh, to talking about everything. And we've certainly done the gambit. Absolutely. Perfect. Appreciate it. Thanks, Sean.